Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, this is Tony Cotty and you're listening to the We Are West End podcast. You are listening to the We Are West Ham podcast with me, Will Pugh, Tom Edwards and James Jones. Back together, reunited. So after a crazy show last Tuesday that felt more like a live radio news program than a podcast designed to be relevant for a whole week, we're back safe in the knowledge that the money-grabbing billionaires who attempted to steal football from us all have been well and truly put back in their box by the power of the people. I, for one, hope this momentum carries on and we soon see majority fan ownership models across England like those in Germany. But let's take it one step at a time for now as David Gold and David Sullivan no doubt take a breather from being the most hated owners in England as fans of Arsenal and Man United continue to protest against their billionaire backers. God knows how scared Daniel Levy must have been seeing three blokes with a trumpet and that fellow who always cries on Tottenham's YouTube after West Ham beat them whining outside their shiny new stadium as well. The stadium they probably won't be able to afford the debt repayments for now the Super League has collapsed. Shame. But back to West Ham whose European dream is starting to develop cracks. It's not all that good. We lost of course. 1-0 at home to Chelsea. Of course, it was Timo Werner. Hasn't scored a goal in seven games. We did look a little bit flat, but more importantly than that, whether West Ham are going to get the Champions League or not, James Jones and Tom Edwards are back with me. We've all had a week off over the last three weeks. Different reasons, but well-deserved rests, no doubt. But I'm glad we're back together, boys. Shame about the circumstances. It's been quite buoyant this season. Uh, James, I'll throw to you first, of course. Wonderful to have... Uh, Tom back, mate. Of course, he was out protesting, getting all up and close and personal with Peter Cech last week, wasn't he? We did, of course, miss him. But uh, for once, we've got praise to heap on Tom for his part in what was a, a great day and a great week for football in the end. Yeah, no, Tom, I want to personally thank you, mate, for, for yeah. saving football single-handedly. I'll take um, it. A real strong effort, mate. And um, at first, I must admit, last week, when you put in the WhatsApp group, guys, I've got to go and protest. I was like, what is he on about? What is he protesting against? And then I realised it was for such a such a noble cause when it comes to saving football that I thought, no, do you know what? We'll let him go. Let him go. And came back with the goods, mate. Woke up Wednesday morning, feeling feeling fresh as a daisy, mate, knowing that, you know, we, we might still see West Ham playing the Champions League, if not next season, definitely the season after after we win the Premier League. So football's very own Che Guevara, man of the people, leader of the revolution. How does it feel to be such an important figure? Not that you weren't before, of course, given your prominent role on the We Are West Ham podcast. But um, now not only are you uh, an inspiration to West Ham fans everywhere, you're now just an icon for football fans across the land and perhaps across the world. 
Listen, mate, when, when you got the when you got the weight of four billion people's biggest hobby in your shoulders, you take it upon yourself to make a stand. And and look, I, the phone's been blowing off. Dad's got security on a house right now. It's getting a bit crazy. It's all come on top. But no, in seriousness, it was good to be there. And it, it sounds a weird one, but a lot of my mates are Chelsea mates. I come from Southwest London. A lot of them are Chelsea mates. Part of growing up and getting on with them so well was being my banter I've had back and forth about football and playing them and, and, and moving that way and, and having that sort of banter. So to see them lose their club, even though I absolutely hate them and, and I wouldn't mind if they, they tailed off, you can imagine it when I was leading up to the Chelsea game thinking that that's the last time we'll ever play them sort of thing. And it, it didn't sit right with me and, it, and it, the whole thing didn't sit right with me as it didn't sit right with everyone. By the way, great, great podcast last week. Absolutely love listening back to it. And what you guys said was spot on. It it really is the people's game. And it, and it really is something that, that really hit hard for every football fan across the country. And I was lucky enough to be in the area and close enough. And we have nothing to do that evening. And no kid to look after in it. And no Barnet to look after for, for uh, Will. So I thought I had to go. And... Um, very happy I did. Very happy I did. But it wasn't just that. It was the social media presence. It was everything that they got the right outcome in the end. And fingers crossed that they don't try and do something else stupid in the near future. But what a day and what a day for football. And fingers crossed, it's only the start, like you said, and certain things come in, which mean that the fans do get a grasp of the game again, not the way we've seen in the last few years. Uh, well, massive props, mate. Massive props. Like I say, massive respect for him. From me and Jonesy, we made that clear last uh, last week. And and Chidji, who come on the Chelsea fan cast, was was impressed as well as we all were. It was it was bigger than football rivalries, and uh, it was glad uh, to see we had a we are West Ham representative there. Tom, though, you you must answer me straight, mate. Which is more famous at the moment? Do you think your sign or you? Because I feel like that's got a lot more traction in the mainstream media than your face has. Sadly, is is that and also my mate holding it because I was obviously shirking responsibility, giving it on to someone else, and now he's the face of GQ, one of the ugliest geezers in Europe, and he's the face of GQ in Australia. So <laughs> I'll give it, I'll give it to him, and I'll give it to the sign. Sadly, but um, that sign is going in the National Football History Museum. Yeah, so, what did um, it read again? What did it say? That it said, "Football belongs to us, not you." Nice one. And it's very specific capitalization and bold and underlining, wasn't there? I like it. it was a work of art, Thomas. It really was. Oh, it's the his missus, to be fair to him. It's the guy holding its missus. So um she well, you didn't even make it yourself. It. No, of course not. <laughs> I'm just piggybacking off everyone else's success. <laughs> Literally, this Jonesy, this illusion's come shattering down, isn't it? We thought Tom had, had gone out there, a martyr for the cause. <laughs> off his own back and all he's doing he's just a champagne socialist a champagne football socialist isn't he just delegating <laughs> mate <laughs> yeah, exactly that exactly that well look Tom great to have you back mate and great to be back uh, with you two lads as well lads what I will do we'll do the housekeeping and let everyone know what's coming up on the show but I just want to give a quick shout out to Ben who got in touch on uh, Twitter this week uh, at strike warp on Twitter he just uh, tagged us to let us know uh, at We Are West Ham after last week uh, football has really piqued my interest 20 years have passed since I followed the league at all but I felt strongly against the European Super League nonetheless I searched my old team which is West Ham found your show great work and I really enjoyed it really nice words from Ben we of course thanked him for that and said um, hope he subscribed to the podcast he said it's the first thing he did so Ben's had 20 years away from football 
Um, it's glad to have him back, certainly in the West Ham fold. It was really nice for him to get in touch. One of those things that, uh, one of the many things when we hear from the We Are West Ham listeners that put smiles on our faces. And that one certainly made me grin this week. So I thought I'd give a quick shout out to Ben at the beginning of the show. Right, let's have a little bit of housekeeping. First of all, lads, before I let everyone know what is coming up. It's another brilliant one tonight. Uh, two West Ham, We Are West Ham. No, three, excuse me. Three We Are West Ham debutantes on the show tonight first time guests uh some some really big names uh so that's something to look forward to but a bit of housekeeping first of all do follow us on twitter like ben has at we are underscore west ham feel free to get in touch positive or negative we don't mind it's just great to hear from you you can follow us um and subscribe to us on youtube as well where you can watch these entire shows in full if you don't fancy just listening you can also watch the individual segments as individual videos if you like some more than others so go down to the description to this podcast where you can find the link to our youtube james jones posts all our videos on our twitter as well so uh if you're unsure head on over there at we are underscore West Ham. You'll find links to our YouTube as well. We're on Instagram uh, as well. We are West Ham Pod on Instagram. You can buy us a beer and support the podcast as well at buymeacoffee.com slash we are West Ham. Just want to say thanks so much to Steve Berry and Dave White who've supported the podcast this week. Said some nice words as well. Thanks again, of course, to Isaac, Lisa and all the rest of you who have supported it already. But Dave said, love the podcast. And wanted to say a little thanks. Steve Berry chipped in with, I listened every week since the Love, the Love Sport radio days. I love the opinion and the bants and the quizzes. So it's really nice to uh, hear from those two guys. Thanks a lot for supporting the pod. But James, Dave actually bought two beers. And as it was the week that it was just me and you, Jonesy, I'd say it's safe to say that, that those two pints that, that Dave's bought us um, were just meant for me and you, wouldn't you? Yeah, you'd think so. Um, I'm just wondering, given given that Tom's now um, claimed the title of football saviour, I wonder whether we, we should sort of maybe donate half, half, <laughs> half a pint to, to Tom uh, yeah. as a thank you. Yeah, yeah fair enough. Well, look, I mean, Dave, uh, Dave bought two pints over at uh, buymeacoffee.com slash wearewestam and uh, Steve bought us one as well, which is great news. So it's three, um, three from, from those guys in total. So we can uh, they can stretch to one each i just wasn't sure whether it was it was reasonable especially as isaac came on earlier in the season when he chipped in a pint for the podcast and made it abundantly clear that it was to be split between me and you jonesy wasn't it absolutely under no circumstances you said was it to go to tom so i think sometimes it's fair to assume those rules apply if he's not on the podcast yeah, definitely. But then, you know, I think I mean he deserves a drop of beer at some point this season. So maybe if we give him a quarter of quarter of a pint each. Yeah. That's all I need, that leaves, that leaves that leaves me with a cheeky half after work one night. Yeah, and you know exactly Tom's alluded to there. You know what he's like as well. He only needs one and then he's anybody. So, uh, but look, just a little reminder on that. Um, if, if you're new to the podcast, that any money that we get through that is just goes towards no subscription or anything like that. Anyone who does it doesn't chip in, isn't getting any more or less than any of the rest of you. It's just a little something. A few people have expressed interest to do it before to say thanks, show their appreciation. And it just goes towards equipment. You know, guests, sometimes we have to pay little fees to the guests we have on. We've done some some brilliant giveaways this season shirts and all that sort of thing 
so it just helps keeping the podcast going as good as we can. And uh, yeah, if there's if there's any spare for the end of season, do we might chip in for uh, for Tom as he is known to be a bit shy when it comes to games like the bus. So thanks everyone to you guys who've who've done that already. What's coming up on the show, James? I'm going to get a feeling from you and Tom, of course, just a bit of an updated feeling on the European Super League. Now it's all collapsed um, before we hopefully leave that one. In the past, for the time being, David Moyes and Lucas Fabianski have won some awards, which is impressive stuff from both of them. We'll have some detailed reaction to that defeat to Chelsea at the weekend. We'll have Mark Halsey, former Premier League referee, first time appearance on the We Are West Ham podcast to break down. That Fabian Balbuena farcical decision, the handball that wasn't from Cesar Aspilicueta that looked to deny us a goal. Mark Kelsey will be on to tell us all about that and give his reaction to the news that that Balbuena red card was overturned today. So it'd be brilliant to hear from Mark, who me and Tom spoke to earlier today. The Betway charity bets are back. No wins last week, unfortunately. We were close. But no cigar, still reeling, of course, from James Jones's two grand win only a couple of weeks ago. So not too sad on that front. We'll make our Burnley selections ahead of that game at Turf Moor on Monday night before speaking to Simon from the Turfcast podcast about their great win against Wolves. Chris Wood, the goal machine, and whether or not Wood would be a good fit at West Ham or not next season because we are desperate for a striker. Name that game is finally back. I am back in the Quizmasters hot seat as James Jones hopes the break from the quiz, the three-week break from the quiz has given him a little bit of extra energy back in his legs and he can surge from the bottom of the table and try and catch Tom who's miles out in front on 43 points James at the bottom on 36 then we've got another new guest as I've mentioned already for the West Ham women Michelle who's a season ticket holder for the West Ham women unable to go like so many of us this season a big big draw for the girls against Everton surely Surely they're safe now. It's not mathematically certain yet, lads, but it looks it looks to be as as, as sure as it can be. Just need another precious point against Aston Villa. Next up, and then another season of WSL football for the girls. And then we'll say goodbye, as we always do. And a little bit more housekeeping, no doubt, to wrap things up with. But lads, look, let's get straight into it. Loads to cover tonight really exciting one i just want to get your feelings first tom i'll go to you uh the the european super league it's all collapsed it collapsed as soon as it started last week was a crazy show as you've alluded to already me and james were updating things it was all breaking down as the show was going on what do you make of it now the dusters has settled somewhat i think um Still the same emotions, to be honest, that that less anger involved because ultimately clubs have listened to the fans, but they haven't listened out of anything bar pure greed. If any, even 20% of people were behind it, they'd still be backing it in, in trying to get it through. Um, so a little bit less anger because it's now not imminent and clubs aren't releasing statements by the minute saying they're doing this mid-season, particularly for us when the one year we're living the dream and potentially going to achieve something special, it comes out and and derails that and sort of spits on everything that we've done and Leicester have done it and all the other clubs who've achieved something special in their own leaves, respectively, where these 12 leagues, 12 other clubs come from. In happiness and pride in the way fans across the world came together. But but it also, for me, the whole season's felt a little bit, it, it sort of changed the dynamic of the way everything feels this year. It, it all feels a little bit more, more hollow. Um, and I don't think that's subsided yet. And um 
I hope it does because we've had a brilliant season and I want to enjoy it and look back at it for enjoying West Ham's own success and what we've been able to do as opposed to looking back at this season is um, the season where 12 clubs and 12 greedy men tried to tried to take the game from beneath the people's feet. So um, I think time will tell, but hopefully that's the last we hear of it and hopefully overriding thing is that these clubs get punished because to see Chelsea in a Champions League semi-final go three points clear in top four and have an FA Cup final on the horizon just doesn't sit right with me just how can a club have everything that they'd ever want still after everything that's happened and as long as they get punished um, I'll be a happy man but until then I think I'll still have relatively same emotions yeah that, that that's the the bit isn't it the the bit that sat uncomfortably with me was alexander sefer in the uefa president coming out and going oh welcome back to the fold uh, oh, thank god you've yeah i know i agree with him when he said people make mistakes that's right but when people make mistakes they get punished for it and just say oh, welcome back to the fold just the He's obviously desperate to return to the status quo. Will still be wanting to roll out his ridiculously extended Champions League format, no doubt, and just have everything hush hush again and and go back to to everything which was very cushy and very nice for for him and for all those other organisations. Thanks very much, but no, not for me. Not for me. I don't want to see that at all. I'm totally with you, Tom Jonesy. Uh, your your reaction a week on after that crazy podcast we did last Tuesday night. I mean, it's it's kind of subsided so much that I've barely given it a second thought over the last couple of days. Um, but the only thing I'll, I'm really I'm really keen to to see now is the punishment, as, as Tom said. Was how do these clubs get punished? What's the right way of punishing these clubs for for, for making the so-called mistake that they've made? Um, I don't agree with the 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 argument that oh, it's not fair on the fans. It's like well, it wasn't fair on. Wigan fans Portsmouth, when Bolton, they were docked 12 yeah. points last year Portsmouth, exactly. Bolton, Borough um, so many clubs have had points deducted because of the actions of their owners um, and that's written in the rule book that if your owners get your club put into administration you dock 12 points at least so why are we now suddenly thinking of the fans of these top six clubs why, why, should, why do they care about these fans okay these fans have protested against this very thing happening but it's still the clubs um, so I, I don't know how they go about it. I'd be very surprised if it's a points deduction. The points deduction would be nice because it would give us a huge chance of finishing the top four. But then at the or same top time, <laughs> or top two, we might even win it. Um, it, it. If that did happen and we mathematically didn't finish in the top four, but then the points deduction would allow it, it would feel a little bit... <laughs> Mm, yeah, you've... I don't know. I mean, get I mean, me to wrong. <laughs> I, I wouldn't complain, but it would feel a little bit like, well, well we, we kind of we, we didn't achieve it, but we did, kind of thing. But I'll take it all day long. But I'm interested to see what happens. But other than that, as Tom said, just put it behind us now. Just hope that they don't come back with another crazy idea in a few years' time. Um, that new Champions League format need, needs a bit of work because uh, it's just ridiculous. Or scrapping, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the the whole. Like giving two extra places to teams that have previously done one of the competition but had a poor season in the league just just seems a little bit but it stinks it's the same isn't, isn't it? it yeah it's very super leaders um <laughs> but yeah it's uh it'll be interesting to see what happens but hopefully this is a a good thing for football long term a good thing for fans gives us a chance to grab a little bit more power back and um yeah looking forward to seeing what happens next 
I just hope we do though, mate. That's what makes me nervous and I'm not digging you out, but you're, I know you're saying, oh yeah, I've sort of forgotten about it. That's what I'm scared of. That apathy among football fans just creeps back in and everyone just gets used to, oh, who we got this weekend? Oh, Chelsea, uh, Burnley, is it? Oh, that'd be good. Yeah, what, what team are we going to play? Blah, blah, blah. As soon as you get caught up in the minutiae again, and oh, what's Gary Neville bantered Jamie Carragher about on Sky Sports this week? Oh, what's Jim White said oh, that's really annoyed West Ham fans? As soon as you get back into that, the bigger picture's lost and then you're just like, lambs to the slaughter again aren't you waiting for the for the next plot which will be more cute no doubt and thought out properly and yeah. you know and all of a sudden fan protests and all that aren't aren't going to be good enough because it's it's far more watertight than the first one tom don't you think i, I, James, I, I disagree yeah. to an extent i disagree to an extent i mean you can still have all of that stuff about surrounding football that we all love and get involved in whether that's the banter whether that's you know listening to carragher and neville you know Bite each, other, bite each other's necks off every Monday night, moaning about tactics or whatever they do. Um, but then still be angry and, and want actual, real, proper change within within the sport um, in favour of the fans. Um, and the reason why I hadn't really thought about it the last couple of days is because it consumed me for so much yeah. of last week that I kind of had to take a step back from it all and go, like, you know, there's, there's more important things going on, i.e. West Ham's fight for the top four big game on, um, on Saturday against Chelsea. So I kind of had to pull myself back from it because it was consuming every minute of every day. And obviously I've got a full-time job and a, and a little boy to look after. It was, um, it was like on my phone constantly, what's the latest thing? So, but I mean, I can see where you're coming from, but we can have it both ways. Mm, yeah. And um, I think I think a lot of people can, can remain angry and demand change, but then also still continue to enjoy parts of the game that they that they've always enjoyed and always love and you know and, and that's why they follow the sport come on james you know i don't react well to measured logic like that all he's saying though tom <laughs> i think is uh all he's saying is the fact that me and you have got uh no wives and no children yeah. and just no responsibilities at all just we can ninjas. afford yeah we yeah. can afford to be much more angry and take up loads of our time because we've got nothing going on in our lives that's all i heard then yeah, yeah mate. You, you you just you both just you know be angry and crack on, and I worry about them with all the proper things that go on in life. <laughs> yeah, I'll be being a grown up. <laughs> um, there's what I do. What I do want to say though, even today, I'm on a group chat with um, eleven blokes, nine Chelsea fans. I stood with them last week when four of only four of them came. The rest didn't. I stood up for their club when the rest didn't. Seeing all day, this nervous for the Champions League, nervous for that, just put a sock in it you didn't try and fight for your club very few people did and i'm sat here with west ham if we had our five players fit who we don't have we'd be in the top four we'd have beaten newcastle we'd have got a result against chelsea and we'd be in a very solid position to get top four we've had bad luck you, you've been pulled out by your owners fine yes but we've had bad luck we had those injuries we'd be safe and ultimately they're now they're now bigging themselves up and they've got a cl semi-final tonight um, they've got their FA Cup final coming on and they're probably secure for top four. And, and I agree with Jones that we should all enjoy the other things. I do just think that the delaying of this punishment is hurting. Is It's tough. That result was very tough to take against them the other day, particularly with the red card, particularly with all that went on in that game. It was just, it was just hard to take. And I'm with Jonesy. I'm I'm enjoying every other bit of football. I still am, and I and I won't lie about that. I'm still enjoying the banter. I'm still watching the videos and the individual highlights and all that stuff. But I just struggle to see 
my mates so buoyant and upbeat about their club, Chelsea, who, who tried to, to ruin everything that football stands for it. And I just need, I think the football fans and football fans who aren't part of those 12 clubs need something to happen now, really. Mm, exactly, mate. You're totally right. And all these things we all take for granted that people have got so quickly got back to, like you mentioned there, your mates who didn't go to the protest and all that. Ultimately, just part just being uh, passive participants won't be good enough next time round. Next time, the inevitable next plot comes around. Stan Kroenke at Arsenal came out today, point, just released a statement this evening. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not selling. Protest or basically protest all you like. Spotify billionaire, you can go and poke it. I'm not going anywhere. Thanks very much. That exactly, Tom. You just it's the passivity among fans that that these people prey on because it's the ones that just loyally, blindly follow their clubs and don't make any noise, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, when tough, uh, when times get tough or when things look like this, you know, putting football at risk, then. It's, it spells trouble. But look, that's enough of that, lads. The story will, of course, rumble on and we'll keep across it, particularly with uh, if and how it affects West Ham United. But James, uh, some good news on the individual front. The London Football Awards, which I believe are going on as we're recording, uh, but some big wins for some West Ham stars. Yeah, well, obviously, because we're, we're absolutely massive. David Morris has won London's uh, Manager of the Year. Which was obvious. Uh, Tottenham and Chelsea didn't have their managers uh, in the fold because obviously they've changed their managers this season. So it was a reduced list of nominees, but Moyes was uh, was the runaway winner, um, unsurprisingly. And Fabianski got goalkeeper, London goalkeeper of the year as well, which again is probably unsurprising. Um, other than I think we were saying before we start recording, Guaita at Palace is is a pretty nifty keeper. But other than that, probably no one really going to give Fabianski a run for his money so um, yeah two two awards just got to go and clean up at the Premier League awards at the end of the season which I'm sure David Moyes will be one of the front runners for the for manager of the year definitely absolutely mate yeah and I think it's easy for us to say you know uh, yeah, yeah this is, obviously it was going to go to those two but Tom I think it is worth making a big deal of this because if you'd said that this time last season oh by the way West Ham are going to win two awards at the London Football Awards manager and goalkeeper of the year you'd have gone what the hell so uh, you know although other teams haven't done so well West Ham are still fifth in the Premier League um, playing really well the manager's done miracles and we were only saying the last couple of weeks Fabianski obviously wasn't great against Newcastle but before that been pretty much flawless all season so we should make a big deal of this shouldn't we yeah, we should always be proud, especially when we're now influencing. The last time we were even in amongst these awards was 15-16 when Pae won London Player of the Year. So so it's nice to be successful and have players in the ranks and managers who are getting recognised outside of just our little bubble of West Ham fans. And, and David Moyes absolutely deserves it. For me, he is Manager of the Year. No matter what happens, mate, well, say if we stay in the top six particularly, he is Manager of the Year. He, he's really taken us to new levels that... None of us thought we were even capable of with, with the squad at our disposal. Fabianski, brilliant keeper. He's probably in my life, him and Rob Green are the standout keepers I've, I've seen us have. And um, one mistake doesn't make it for the man. And, and um, he's a top, top bloke. And I think he we saw how much we missed him when we didn't have him at the start of the season. I think that cost us a few points. Um, and he's just been brilliant for us. And I'm very happy that he's got some kind of recognition, particularly so soon after the Newcastle thing, because that seemed to hit him very hard with that tweet and, and all that. So um, good on him and good on David Moyes. 
Yeah, absolutely, mate. Kudos to both of those guys. Massive congratulations from us here at We Are West Ham. Uh, Chelsea reaction then, boys. The I mean, the first thing, the only thing to talk about, first of all, really fortunate to have Mark Halsey, former Premier League ref, on with us. And you'll hear that interview in full in part two. Fabian Balbuena getting sent off for kicking a football. It's, it's beyond West Ham and losing to Chelsea. And I'm not for a minute, I want to make this clear, I'm not suggesting for a minute that that sending off cost us the game. It cost us a chance to give ourselves a chance of nicking a point, perhaps. I'm not saying we would. So anyone who's thinking of getting on at me on Twitter or just anywhere going, ah, oh, well, we wouldn't have won. So it doesn't matter. It does matter. It matters more than just that one game. Because what the hell is the point of watching football anymore? If he, he literally kicked the ball and I'm not, this isn't my West Ham hat on. I've hated watching football a lot this season because of the way so many of the decisions are going and the way VAR is being implemented. Uh, what else do you say, really? I mean, James, you're laughing your head off. If you actually, you know what? I might go to Tom because when I'm feeling as angry as this, I don't like it when you try and pacify me and say, oh, it's not as bad no. as you make out, mate. I don't know. I don't need it. So I might go to Tom. I'm not, not going to say up. that. I'm not going to say that, mate. I'm, I'm, I completely agree with you. Um, I was in the pub watching it, um, which was a great experience, by the way. I've missed that. Really, really missed that, by the way. Um, Been in the pub watching football, but it was full of West Ham fans, and I've never seen, and obviously, unless you're in the stadium, baffled by the decision. So many blokes, like there's people on their knees in the pub with their heads in their hands, going. I cannot believe what I've just seen there. I genuinely cannot believe it. And I still look back at it now and just go, how the hell have two people, two professional referees, Premier League referees, have had a chance to look at that over and over again and came to the complete opposite d- decision as the rest of the country? When you've got ex, uh, ex-Premier League footballers tweeting going, I cannot believe I've seen that. When you've got current Premier League footballers tweeting, I can't believe I've just seen that. It was that obvious, and still on the day, two men watched it over and over again. Still came to the decision as a red card. It was just absolutely baffling, and um, it kind of almost underlined the week that we'd had. Obviously, at the beginning of the week, we'd, we thought we'd lost football to to six billionaires or twelve billionaires in, in, you know, in the Super League, and then at the end of the week, you get a decision like that where you think, well, "What is the point of us even bothering when you get decisions like that?" And it almost underlined the week that we the week that we'd had um, as as fans, but thankfully in the end common sense prevailed. But I saw a stat this before we come on. Apparently five of our last eight Premier League red cards have been rescinded. What's the point? What's the, uh, and two of two of those in this season were given by VAR. They were watched over that, by the referee on the side of the pitch, and then eventually overturned days later. That's the most I mean, ridiculous thing, isn't it? VAR it's, it's is supposed to be those appeals there live. It's supposed to yeah. be those the blokes it's, sitting around the room live. Jonesy. It's supposed to stop red cards being given incorrectly and then ended up being rescinded. Exactly. Jonesy, What's happened twice know. last season is exactly what is not supposed to happen with VAR. Lads, I don't know if 15-16 counts as those seven, but if it, five out of seven sounds that probably 15-16 was before that. How many of those were rescinded as well in 15-16, the Kiate one and all them? Against I think the it involves so. those. It involves oh, those. good. Yeah, I was going to say, because yeah. then that would just be ridiculous. Yeah. But VAR, like you said, it's supposed to be there to do the reviewing straight away, isn't it? So before yeah. someone would get sent off, 
during the game. There was nothing anyone could do about it before VAR. And then on a Monday, the team would appeal. So people would sit around and watch the videos. Professionals would sit down and watch the videos and then say that should or shouldn't have been a yellow card. VAR is supposed to be that Monday morning meeting brought forward to 30 seconds after the incident has happened. Exactly what you said. So you don't need it anymore. What the hell is going on? What is going on? Honestly, uh, the football has been rubbish this season. I know West Ham have been good, but football has been rubbish. The amount of games where I mean, I'm not, I know some people are, I'm not a big one for sitting down on a Saturday and not getting off the sofa until Sunday night when all the games have gone anyway. I'm not a massive one for that. I like watching West Ham. I do watch a few, obviously. Um, you know, if I, I get paid to work in football as well, so I watch as, as much as I can or the ones I have to. But, you know, I'm not, I'm not always a massive one for that. But this season, I've been even less so. I know there's been more on, but sometimes you go, oh, I'll just sit and watch this. This might be a good game. And the amount of games, I just go, oh, I don't care. What's the point? What's the point of that? Like Leeds, Patrick Bamford's one was almost on par with that earlier in the season when he pointed for where he wanted the ball to go. And his legs were about three yards behind the bloke who was obviously playing him on side and he got done because the corner of his sleeve of his arm that was pointing where he wanted the ball was like half a millimeter beyond the Aston Villa <laughs> defender's knee or whoever it was and it's like yeah. uh, what's the point and what is the point yeah but look we've got Mark Halsey on uh, next and we'll put all of these me and Tom actually spoke to him earlier today so you'll hear that interview next uh, we'll put all of those salient points to him so stay with us for Mark Halsey next up so lads Decisions to one side, we forget about those. We'll speak about those with Mark Halsey and we'll hear what he's got to say in part two. But on the pitch, football only chat now, no more refereeing howlers. Did you think we didn't offer too much going forward? I thought Chelsea defended expertly. I was really impressed with them. They looked compact, they looked tight and they were as, were as good, I thought, as we looked unimaginative and tired. What did you think, Tom, as far as, as the game went going forward away from those ridiculous decisions? Yeah, I think um, considering we lost five players, I think defensive solidarity is something we've lost for the last month or so. I know we've won games and we've been brilliant going forward, but it was good to see us look solid defensively. Apart from the Werner goal, we didn't seem to switch off. But yes, yeah, I think there's a problem going forward. I think we drastically miss Antonio and I think it will become ever more evident in these next few games against Burnley, Brighton, West Brom, Southampton. They're going to sit deep and we're going to need someone to stretch the play in. And Bowen, he's done a sterling job, a sterling job up there. Sorry, he's done very, very well, but he doesn't have a physicality. He can't bully people. He can't do everything that a number nine should do. He's limited. He can't get it back to goal. He's more about running in behind. And I, I and I think we just miss that physical presence up there. And I do feel like there's a bit of burnout before we came on air. We were talking about um, the fact that these players have played a lot of games. If you go through it and you look at Suchek, you look at all them, you look at Sufau, you look at Bowen, Fornals, they played a lot of minutes this season with, with very little rotation. And um, I'm worried it's catching up with us going forward. Lingard won't score nine and ten. I get. I will say this on record ever again for the rest of his career. That's just how <laughs> it is. That's how it is. He'll never score nine and ten for the rest of his career. He won't. Like I, I he's a superb player and he still contributed on the weekend. Was brilliant, and he's still a, our top top player. And he he'll be the one to make a difference. But we can't rely on him doing something every week. And and I think it is becoming. 
quite clear now that that we're a bit short in those forward areas um when we when we're missing our top talents and um it's a worry for me it, it, it is a worry because we we haven't looked we didn't look particularly good that weekend and we didn't look against Newcastle until we had a firework up our ass. We didn't, we didn't look particularly good either going forward. So it, that's a worry, but um, we've still got firepower there. So fingers crossed that they proved me wrong. James, I wasn't going to mention it till a bit later on. I thought we'd do a little bit more on the game first, but Tom's alluded to it there. So it seems like a nice time to link across. I just feel, and I don't want to say it because I know that people will get me on Twitter again, projected negativity, blah, blah, blah. I just think now the lack of January investment is starting to show the, this is the part of the season when those decisions or in our case, lack of decisions start to, to come out. Don't they They start to show because players we're running on fumes. And I mean that both the actual players we've got are running on fumes and we're running on fumes as part, as far as the squad and players we've got available players are dropping or have been dropping like flies in recent weeks. And we're left with a, we've been left with a threadbare squad. It, it's not sustainable to expect to go a full season or even half a season just on a really good start in 11. That's what mid table to lower mid table teams do. You know, Crystal Palace, Brighton, all these teams have got a decent start in 11 with some good players, but no subs. That's the difference, isn't it? And do you feel like that? I, I don't, I, I don't want to be negative, but you've got to call it as it is as well, mate. It's, if we if we'd have invested more in January, uh, we like Tom's mentioned it um, about the Newcastle game, we would have been all right then. I'm not saying we would have beaten Chelsea. I'm not saying that at all, but it would have at least give ourselves more a ch- more of a chance at the business end of a season, which could be historic or it could be oh yeah, fairly good. We said it, didn't we? After was it the beginning of February after deadline day when we were kind of hoping that the club would bring someone in? Yeah, and then we, that was annoyingly we started playing well, winning games, so we all looked. Yeah. Well, I looked a bit silly, but it was it was still obvious then, like because we all knew that Antonio would eventually have to sit out a few games because his hamstring would go again. Um, and we, we all we all knew in the back of our minds that either one of Rice or Suchek are bound to get injured at some point and miss one or two games. It was it was going to happen. Um. And so, it just again, it's it's just frustrating that we've now got to this point. We've got ourselves in such a great position, and um, it could be undone by the, that lack of activity in in January. And, and some people were praising David Moyes for when he said, oh, I, "I didn't want to waste the club's money on on just a you know a backup striker or whatever." <laughs> and if, like, you, well, if, if you believe like, that, well, then you're a flat earther. Come on, like it's it's silly, isn't it? Like. Just go out and get someone. Just go out and get someone that <laughs> anyone that can play up front. Should should Antonio get or when Antonio gets injured, and and we needed another um, central midfielder because as much as Noble's done a great job, we all doubted him when uh, when Rice got injured. We all wondered whether he could make a difference given the performances he'd made when he had played previously. But I mean, he's done a good job. But we need someone who can play a very similar role. We need a, a, a proper deputy a proper backup and it just didn't happen and now we're sitting there okay one or two might be back um hopefully for the Burnley game if not for for the game after that but it's, it's getting a little bit like we, we can't afford any more injuries and we're, we're literally as you said running on fumes driving towards you know probably the biggest achievement in the club's history and it's just whether we can get over the line or not and it, it, it's, it's beginning to get a bit worrying to be fair mm. but 
it'd be the club and David Moyes, who will have, although David Moyes done a great job, fucking like brilliant job all season. Like he'd, he'd have questions to answer in the season if he don't make it over that nine because of his injuries. Yeah, and that's that. You know, yeah. that's that's just the way it's going to be. Yeah, I'm still not quite having the. I'm still not quite having that everyone's just taking David Moyes' word as gospel that it was his decision not yeah. to buy any party line. Party yeah, line. exactly, exactly. Towed the party line, and the club were quite happy for him to take that flat because his stock was high at the time, so fans were more inclined to forgive him than they were the board. I just feel like it's a bit, if you imagine it, like a 400 metre race. I feel like we were leading going into the final turn and we're sort of as we're coming around the the bend you think oh he's going to come out on top and we sort of we're just level as you come out the final bend into that final straight and all of a sudden the laces have come undone and you can just see you're about to tread on them and trip over and stumble while the rest of them fly past a hurtling at pace but yeah look I, I got told off for projecting negativity before well I can't get told off now because this is actual negativity because it is bearing fruit so I think I managed to keep my mouth shut for a while Thomas you put your hand up very politely there go on what have you got to say no I, I was just gonna say I, I'm with with you Will and, and for me yes. I would I would like to say for one if we don't finish in the top six it's a failure it, it is a failure yes it's an improvement <laughs> Is it, no, I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm saying it's been an unbelievable success. Anything above eighth has been a success this season. But from the position we were in, with a game in hand over Leicester, so Leicester were playing the FA Cup semi-final. We had Newcastle, one of the worst Ross teams I've ever seen in the Premier League at that stage, and we had them to play away from home, and we've got a red card in that game to to kill us. And then we go, we had a chance to go third. And then we had Chelsea, a team below us, who we could have played and, and gone for a point. If we don't get this, and I'm not saying top four, top four, forget that. But I'm saying if we now finish outside of the top six from Everton and all them, it would be a failure from the position we got ourselves into. It would be an absolute success. We'll look back on the absolute success from what Moyes has done to get us to this position is an unbelievable achievement from everyone associated with the club that is a fact so no matter what happens from now to then but from the position we got ourselves into I would be very salty about it if we finish outside the top six and I wouldn't take it very well because I don't think many clubs <laughs> in the world would bottle the position we got ourselves into with Burnley, West Brom, Southampton, Brighton all those teams left to play and Newcastle forget them all we left to play with with eight left just after beating the team he was third to claw one back on them. I do think that a club like us gets these opportunities once every 70 years by the looks of it. And we've we're we're willing to throw it away. And I'm saying I, I'm seventh for me. I'll take it and I'll be there in wherever it is in the Europa conference. <laughs> I get me to Baku. You know what I mean? And I, I just think that there was a chance here to do something class and infiltrate the elite. We spoke to a Burnley fan. They come seventh. Fulham have come seventh. Wolves have come seventh once or twice in the last few years. Seventh isn't special. Seventh is nothing. Top six is something that we moved stadium and moved our whole lives for. Um, and I think we've got to achieve it, the position we got ourselves into. And, and that's the crux of it. I'm not saying it's a bad season, though. I, I, do you know what? I, I, I agree to particularly when you look at the, the the fixtures that other teams around us have got. You know, Chelsea have still got to play. I think Arsenal, Man City. I know Arsenal are enough in this season, but they've still got to play them. Mm. Big London derby. Um, I think Leicester. Uh, forget Leicester, but like Spurs have still got got to play Leicester. Um, 
Who else is who else is in and around there? Uh, Liverpool have still got to play United and yeah. someone else. So they've all got really tough fixtures. And I think the only tough fixture on paper that we've got is really Everton at home. Mm. And our home record this season, barring Sunday's result, has been almost flawless. So on paper, we should be looking at our fixtures and going, right, we've got to win every one. And if we do, then there's lo- the likelihood is that other teams around us are going to drop points and there's a chance to even potentially get back into that top four, but at least remain in that top six. Um, but the problem we've got is, do we have enough in the squad to, to win those final five games against the opposition that will come up against them? That there's beginning to be some doubts just creeping in a little bit as to whether whether we've got the squad depth and the uh, and the energy left to, to really get it over that line. Look, I'd just like to say, Tom, I wasn't laughing at you there, what you're saying. I totally agree with every single word of it. It just made me giggle because as you were saying it, I realised that this morning me and Jones both woke up to a completely unprovoked text message from you in the group chat, just saying, sorry, lads, just had to say anything but top six this season is a complete failure from the position we're in with nine to play. I don't think any of us had put anything in the group chat for a couple of days. So yeah. It did just make me giggle. It was first I'm rubbing my little eyes this morning. I said, oh, poor, <laughs> I've had a bee in his bonnet last night. Bless him. No one replied because we all got an early night. <laughs> no, uh, no. Mate, I just, I just had to. I did for some reason plague in my brain. I just like everyone. Everyone talks to me on West Ham. It's fifteen, sixteen prizes are massive. We spoke to a Burnley fan who had that two years ago. We're tin pot if we can't get to its top six and infiltrate something. We are tin pot. We've done <laughs> so much this season to throw it away with the fixtures we've got. Will be. I can't sit there and fucking our arms with my mate and enjoying. Drawing some Slavian third team became third in the Slavian league. I can't enjoy that. I can't. <laughs> Just quickly, Tom, whereabouts? That's, that's going on Twitter, by the way. That clip yeah. that's going on Twitter. Where um, whereabouts is the Slavian league played? I don't, know. I don't know who Slavia are, but we'll make them up. I'll play them. I'll take them, and I'll be there, and I'll be on Jones's flight, and I'll be on that private jet, and we'll go out with the West Ham team and have a right laugh. But. At the end of the day, I just can't. It's just, I just want to be successful and I want to be infiltrating that top six and I want to be doing something worthwhile. And that's what you keep saying, Will, is we left there to be successful. How can you say seventh is successful when a newly promoted Wolves got that and a Burnley squad got that with all the players they've got? It's not. Seventh is the best of the rest. We moved to infiltrate the best. And I will not have accepting seventh in a season when no fans are there. The champions are putting the worst title defence ever, basically. Other than the only other season we did half decent when Chelsea came below us and they just won the title. So, so I just feel like it's a massive opportunity and it will be a massive opportunity missed if we don't finish in that top six. No, I, I totally agree with you, mate. I totally agree with you. And I have, I'll be honest, I've been a little bit more wary of being too negative after the January stuff because I did go in pretty hard um, on the club. And I do still feel the same way now that the the our inaction in January is, is going to affect us. Look, let's be honest. I, this is the first time I've said this out loud. But if if I had a fiver and I all I cared about was winning some money on that, I would bet on us finishing eighth. <laughs> Everton, who are in eighth, are three points behind us with a game in hand. Assume they win that. 
they've still got Sheffield United to play in then that runner. They've got some difficult games as well. But there's an easy win against Sheffield United there. So give that one to Everton now. They're the same points as us with a worse goal difference, to be fair to them. But I just feel our inaction in, in January in the squad we've got is not a reflection on, on the players at all. I don't feel the ones who go out in the pitch are not trying hard enough at all. And I totally back them every week when they go out. I just think looking at us the last couple of weeks, Newcastle as well. I know we got the red card, but we just we just struggled. We struggled, yeah. we struggled against Chelsea and it... Anything now, any wins we get now, results will feel like more of a surprise, which they haven't done at all stages in the season. It'll feel a lot more like, oh, oh, blimey, we've we've managed to win despite our thin squad or our weakened starting eleven. And I don't think that's a good position to be in at this stage of the season. But um, yeah, I, I, I say I, I don't want us to finish eighth before anyone misconstrues <laughs> it. And it might be projected negativity. It's not that. I just think purely looking at it with a completely rational head on, that's what I think will happen. What I want to happen is that Leicester, Chelsea, um, both bottle it. We win all of our games till the end of the season and, uh, and we finish third. And actually, no, sorry, the teams get docks and points and we win the Premier League. But look, back to the match quickly. Uh, James, Timo Werner was always going to be in, wasn't it? I mean, we can add into the list of players that didn't score for seven years and then came up against West Ham and, and, and got a goal. Um, I can't think of any other players on the top of my head, but I know there are loads on that list. <laughs> yeah. um, but, but from what we're hearing, um, it was woeful against Real Madrid in the Champions League semi-final. Um, so yeah, kind of reverted back to normal after playing against us. But yeah, I mean, I wish I'd put put my five on him scoring at the weekend. But um, just a rubbish goal to concede as well. It was like, annoying, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was like just like my mate when we were in the pub. My mate missed it and he came back and said, "What was it like?" And the only way I could describe it was it was like one of those really sweaty FIFA goals. Pretty precisely. And, and, and he and, and then he, his, his response was, "What well, oh what cut back from the cut back from the left to the right and I said exactly that mate like, it's, it's rubbish rubbish yeah. to concede but somehow yeah. squeezed through a load of defenders legs and went in Tom Lingard looking a bit tired some reports out today that he was struggling in the build up to the game with the the workload on his legs a bit achy and stuff like that he's hobbling around a bit as we've seen from him a few times recently could be a doubt for Monday, but fortunate that we've got the the long break in between. Again, squad depth, you'd perhaps be able to give him a bit more of a rest. Haven't been able to do that. What do you make of that? Yeah, well, well, exactly like we've all said, and, and I don't want to be negative. I love everyone out there, and I think they're a brilliant set of players. We just, we just don't have our first team out, and Lingard has been forced to play 90 minutes every single week when he's gone from playing zero Premier League games. That's the it's key, a, isn't it? He's gone from yeah, zero exactly. to hero. Mate, that's it. And like oh, footballers are humans. You go out and try and run 20 kilometers on your first day as, as one of us, you're not going to get anywhere. Like that's what he's been asked to do. He's asked to get as much as you're fit and you're on a treadmill. It's a different game and it's the change of direction. It's the pace, it's pressing and it's the short sprints. And it, you can't, you can't prep for that. And he's going to, he's struggling. Um, and I think that that's, just an epitome of what's going on with us. I think Suchek's been asked to do too much. Sufal's been asked to do too much this season. We're just we're just struggling for legs. And and don't get me wrong, we still got it. And Lingard, fingers crossed, if he is fit, I don't deny that he'll produce the same performances. 
but we're asking we're asking the extraordinary out of him. We're basically asking him to to make up for our goals, uh, uh, our strikers and our wingers, and basically score all our goals. That's basically what we're asking from him, and it's caught up with him. And just fingers crossed that he he keeps his fitness because if he's scoring or not, he's a super player and he'll, and it makes a difference to our side. So we just got to pray that he's the one who doesn't get injured between now and the end of the season. Right. Final bit then to kick off this uh, the podcast or to wrap up the the first segment of this podcast. Saeed Ben Rama. I wasn't sure whether to do it. We've st- we swerved clear of it the last few weeks because I, I don't think it was relevant. There's people still bicking about it on Twitter, but it came to the fore again after the Chelsea game. He came on, didn't get given a lot of minutes, didn't do much. The, the thing that everyone was moaning about when he gets the ball, everyone's lined up in the box. All it needs was a little dinked one and it's really difficult for the defending team to deal with. He doesn't. He tries a shot from all of 35 yards, balloons over the crossbar. You know, uh, the remote controls, no doubt, went onto the floor. Beers got kicked over from everyone watching at home, rightfully furious. He got inevitable pelters after the game. And I've I've never known anything like it really of of a of an issue to be so divisive. I mean, I have American politics, British politics, all that. But I mean, as far as West Ham football goes, it's just straight down the middle. It's just there seems to be no one in any camp other than get rid of him as soon as we can, or why isn't he starting every single game for us, the football ingenious wizard? Tom, go to you first. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm disappointed with him. I think since um, the last two months, he's been poor. He's been poor the last few. I'm a big, big fan of him. And I will say we keep him. And I think people will be surprised and people will 100% eat their words. If he gets the right go, he gets good preseason and, and he, he gets some confidence going and flowing in those veins. He's a seriously talented player. Like everyone knows that. Everyone knows the ability he has in his locker. You don't have Tony Cotty coming on and saying he's got Pi 8 level abilities and he watches him every week in, week out for Sky. He's obviously a top, top player. He's He, he said that on our podcast. And I, and I think Brian Rama had, does have that ability to change games. But all season, I will admit, he has not done that. And he has not done that. There's a few, there's about two or three times I can point to where he's he's made a positive difference in, in influence the result of the game. And I agree. There are better options than him right now. He shouldn't be near the starting eleven. He absolutely should not be near the starting eleven. Bowen, Fornals, Lingard, Antonio, all of them have given a lot more for the club both this season and, and delivered a lot more and are there. But I think it's a confidence issue. And I think if he gets a run of games in, and that run of games will have to be luck. Football is luck. He'll have to get an injury and have to get shown a bit of faith by Moyes because he hasn't earned that on the pitch. Until he goes on the bit the pitch does something off the bench and wins that trust and Moyes, he won't get afforded that unless it's from a break of luck for him. And rightly so, because he's not done that, but there is a top player there. And um, I hope it comes right for us because if it's not for us, it'll be for someone else because he's a superb player technically. And um, I really can't wait for him to, to hit those heights with us or without us, but I just yeah. pray that he gets it, that gets it going for us. Fair enough, mate. Yeah, I mean, maybe that is a chance there'll be people screaming at this podcast when we're talking about not able to give players rest going side Ben Rams on the bench. James, you wrap us up. Um, just final thoughts on that before we hear from Mark Halsey. I think I think I agree with, with a lot of what Tom just said about Ben Rama. I think what 
that decision he made against Chelsea where he, he, he skied it rather than putting the ball in the box, that's born out of his frustration. Like he only uh, did play, that because he's on, dying to get he's dying to get on the score sheet. Uh it doesn't make it right, absolutely not. Like he he, he made the wrong decision. But you can you can clearly see, and he's been like this for sort of the last four or five appearances that he's made, that he's desperate to get his first goal for the club. Um, and it's clouding his judgment on the pitch, and it's it's almost sort of taking it's almost t- taking over his his ability as a footballer because he's almost got one thing on his mind, and that's right. I need to get a goal because he knows a goal will build his confidence. A goal will get him in Moyes' good books. A goal might get him a start in the next game. He, I mean, he's been a little bit unlucky in terms of that he's not had a a long run of starts. He's not had a long a long go at it. Um, so yeah, I think you know, I, I'm. I think he's a confidence player. I think we've already always known that he's a bit of a confidence player, and I think if we, you know when he scores his first goal for the club, I think we might begin to see a bit of a, a different side than Rama. Trouble is, he needs the minutes to be able to get that goal and um, the correct decision making because on Saturday afternoon it was all wrong. Yeah, fair enough, mate. Fair enough. Well, look, we won't go into it. Uh, too much more for the time being. Bigger fish to fry at West Ham at the moment. I don't care who plays on the pitch. As long as we get that uh, European spot, I'll be more than happy. So, lads, uh, more on those decisions. The Fabian Balbuena red card and the Cesar Azpilicueta handball that wasn't from former Premier League referee Mark Halsey. Next. You are still listening to the We Are West Ham podcast with me, Will Pugh, Tom Edwards and James Jones. I'm delighted to say that joining us for the first time on the We Are West Ham podcast is a former Premier League ref who took charge of top flight games in England across three decades. It's a podcast debutante, like I said. It's Mark Halsey. Mark, thanks so much for joining us all the way from from sunny Spain. I've read your comments in the Sun newspaper over the uh, about the Fabian Balbuena stuff. That's what I want to start with. Tom's got some questions as well about Cesar Azpilicueta. You pulled no punches in, in your sun column. And it's a great read every time that comes out. It's nice to hear a refreshingly honest perspective from former refs. I really like how the, the game broadcasters, newspapers have introduced that over the last couple of years. Um, Fabian Balbuena, first of all, just let our listeners know what you made of that before we get into the nitty gritty of it. Uh, yeah, listen. Look, I mean, as soon, soon as I saw the sort of challenge, I, for me, it was it was the, it was the West Ham defender trying to clear the ball. Um, the ball's there. He's not making a challenge because the ball's there. He's come through. He's, he's cleared the ball, and obviously he's followed through. And he also he, he slips a little bit as well. So I, you look at that. You think, where's he supposed to put his foot once he's cleared that follow through? I know I've heard a couple of ex players. I think it's Jason Cundy on on Talk Sport. Uh, yeah, typical. Uh, hey, typical. <laughs> well, yeah. Listen, I, I, I have to say, you know, everybody cannot be wrong, can they? I mean, I think you look at ninety-eight percent of everybody um, involved in football. That that he's, you know, he's not making a change. He's clearing the ball, and, and Chris Kavner, he's right there. He, he's looking straight at it. He wasn't going to. I don't think he was going to do anything. Um, so, but what, what what annoyed me was that. The VAR, Peter Banks, getting involved because it's not a clear and obvious error. And we've seen, you know, we've seen VAR this season being inconsistent, being consistent, being inconsistent. And and for me, Peter Banks should 
should not have got involved because that was not a challenge. That wasn't a serious foul play challenge that um, with excessive force and brutality. Um, and listen, is that the rule? If Chill if, so... if, 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 if hadn't come across to block him, then his foot wouldn't have wouldn't have caught onto the back of his his calf. And I, I, I just think it, it's it's one of those with certain officials knowing well, you know, knowing the laws of the game, but not knowing the game of football. The, the, you mentioned there, Mark, the and the laws of the game. Is that uh, what you just said about his his foot being raised and violent contact? What what is the law or the wording? Are you yeah, well, aware of that? that yeah, that listen, obviously the law the, the law under Law Twelve Thousand um, Thousand Misconduct is um, a careless challenge is a free kick and and nothing else. A reckless challenge is a free kick and a yellow card. And uh, a challenge that endangers the player's safety with excessive force and brutality, whether it's made from the side, the front, the back, one or two feet, must be sanctioned with a red card. Now, listen, that for me, that 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 didn't meet the criteria of, of um, serious foul play. It, it was just it was just one of those things that happened in football. You know, like like you know, like like the. The, the, the South check sending off at Fulham. I mean, that was never a sending off, never an act of violent conduct. Yes, he's caught him, but he's trying to get his arm out of, out of the way, you know, from him. And and once again, Lee Mason on on the VAR should never have got involved. And hence, I think I think I'm correct in saying that Lee Mason has never done a VAR um, stint since that incident. Um, so, so they do listen that, sometimes in. Well, I think so because the, the, there was there was outcry. I mean, as I, I remember my column. I said, if there's any, if there's any, you know, justice in the, in the, in this incident, the FA have to overturn Selchuk red card, and obviously, obviously they did. And listen, I personally, I think this should be overturned, but you, you don't know. You don't know who's sitting on that panel. It's, it's a three man panel, and it all depends on what way they go, or whether there's been, you know. Any, any discussion with 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 uh, PGML over? I mean, I, un- I understand that um, apparently that the PGML were happy with with the red card, um, but I do also do understand that a number of match officials are not happy with the red card, so they obviously didn't feel it was a red card. So, there's. I really want to get on to, to what 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 you said there about um, where at what stage do we have to start talking about fans not enjoying football anymore because the, the the lawmakers and the PGMOL, but ultimately the lawmakers have, have got such a huge responsibility at the moment and on how the game's played and whether fans enjoy it or not. So I do want to get onto that, but just one more on the nitty gritty. Um, you wrote in uh, the sun after that, that uh, Chris Cavanagh's got to grow some cojones and stick to his original decision. And, you know, it's not like you said, it's not just about knowing the laws of the game. VAR, Peter Banks has got involved, et cetera, et cetera. What was going through Chris Cavanagh's head, do you think there? Because he's obviously well, been yeah. called over to the screen. So just talk us through what, what, what in his head, because, to me, I, I find you can sometimes tell looking at the refs where when they've looked at the screen or whatever, sometimes they feel a bit apprehensive about going to do what they're about to do. So can you just talk me talk us through what he might have been feeling well, from when the original challenge happened? Well, I think perhaps I may have done a bit of disjustice to uh, Chris Cavan in that case. But just, just think, just come to my head then was that, do you remember when he refereed... Um, Everton Liverpool. I think it was at was it at 
It may, may have been a Goodison Park. The penalty to um, Calvert Lewin was it when he was it was right. it was he brought down late in the game late you know right. and 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 VAR recommended a review because initially he gave the penalty and VAR is recommended a review because obviously the problem I think we've got as well is that some referees are re-refereeing the game. Mm. So Chris Kavner went to the monitor, looked at the incident, and stuck with his original decision to give the penalty. Now, obviously, they were, he was called over to look because VAR felt it wasn't a penalty. So I wonder the conversation that went on with him after that with, with, with his management to say, what, what are you doing? What, 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 you know, they, perhaps they felt it wasn't a penalty. So perhaps he's got that in the back of his mind when he's being called over. Oh, I'm not going to change my decision you know, again. Um, so perhaps you know, I, I think they, they work under a lot of pressure um, because you know now when when they go across to that monitor, something's going to happen. Something is going to happen. Something is going to happen. Yeah. Um, so I, I would I would have liked to see Chris, as I say, be be mentally tough, mentally strong, and look at that and and know the game because you can see it straight away. That the ball's there. He's just he's cleared the ball. He's followed it through. Chilwell comes in front of him, and then obviously obviously it, it, contact is unavoidable because he's so close to him. So. I would just like to have seen him look at that and say, well, do you know what? No, that's not a serious foul play challenge. That That is purely accidental. I know accidental is not in the laws of the game. Um, so, but obviously Peter Banks felt it was a, a challenge that endangered the player's safety with, with excessive force. And, you know, I, I don't sit comfortable with that. I know they don't listen to 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 pundits or, or especially my comments, because I'm sure they don't like me as I am. But, uh, <laughs> the, the PGML, that's why I'm not involved in coaching our referees. But listen... I, I really do think it wasn't it wasn't a red card challenge. Obviously, a lot of these things are are subjective. Um, so, so that brings me on. That brings me on perfectly, Mark, to my next point. Tom is gonna. I know Tom wants to come in about the the handball as well, but you mentioned subjective there. I I tweeted after the game uh, or straight after the decision. I'm normally quite good at leaving my phone alone until I've simmered down after a game. But, but uh, I t- <laughs> listen, you're not the only one. I've got a very good friend out here who's a massive West Ham fan and he's yeah. texted me straight away. Surely he's not going to send him <laughs> off. <laughs> well, that's, uh, and I'm normally good at it. I'm, uh, Tom, Tom, uh, anyone who follows Tom on Twitter yeah. will know he's the hot headed one, hot headed one among the two of us. But right, I just okay. tweeted straight afterwards. Balbuena sent off for kicking the football. What total shambles this sport has turned into what is the point and what i find mark and i want to hear from you whose responsibility is it i mentioned the the lawmakers earlier on because i've found and you know i'm very fortunate to work in football as well as uh be a you know a, a lifelong west ham supporter i have not so enjoyed- you that for, so it's you that threw those eggs at me at upton park <laughs> up, <is it? laughs> i might have been a bit young there might have been my dad but <laughs> but um and the th- I found not just West Ham, and this is completely that tweet. Then is just happened to be watching a West Ham game. I found football this season for me has been far less enjoyable than it's ever been, and I was massively for VAR because I used to I what I used to hate, and one thing I do like about football now with VAR is the glaring, the obvious decisions that usually led to goals against you. I just thought mm. it, this whole game's a shambles when something so like a blatant five, 10 yard offside. So I I found football less enjoyable this season. I can't be the only one. And to be honest, if I didn't work in it, 
I'd be inclined to, you know, watch far less of it than, than I have done perhaps not get my season ticket, those sorts of things, because it's just mm. the spectacle is not as enjoyable. So that, that on the weekend, that is what I find. You've just been brilliant hearing from you, the technicalities of it all. But ultimately <laughs> for the fans at home, they're looking at that going, the bloke has kicked a football away and yeah. made contact with someone afterwards. And he's been sent off. What's this sport that we all love turning uh, into? Whose responsibility is it, Mark, to, to stop that and stop well, young fans being turned off and old? Well, I, one, one, thing, one thing for me, the, the last week that's, that's proved and shown to me is that the, the fans are just as important as anybody else involved in football. Look what the fans have done to get, you know, to oust this, this, this uh, European Super League. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Absolutely top draw. And that goes to show to me, and I've always said it long, the fans are just as important as the players, you know, uh, the coaches, the managers, the, the clubs themselves. Without fans, the football's, it, like you say, you know, you look at every game this season, a lot of them have been like uh, pre-season friendlies mm. because the fans lift the players. The fans lift the intensity of the game. And, and so for me, the fans are just as important as anybody else. And then, and also when you're refereeing a game, because you've got to make sure, you know, you know, when you went to certain grounds, you had to be at the top of your game. Otherwise you would get an earful from the fans. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. that. But I, I, if you look at the IFAB protocol, for me, it's not VAR. It's not VAR. I totally agree. It's, it's the personnel that's implementing it in the English Premier League. It, it, it's, it's the leadership and direction from... The PGIL management, that's where the problem lies. That's right. where the problem lies. And, we, we, you know, we're seeing so many um, instances where VAR getting involved, where they shouldn't get involved. A clear and obvious error or a serious incident missed. That's when they should get involved. You know, the absolute howler, absolute howler. You know, there's many, there's many decisions that are subjective, many. And that's when you, you, you don't get involved. It's when, you know, the absolute howlers, that's when they get involved. And they're getting involved far too often than they should. And, and that is because I believe that some of the referees are re-refereeing the games. That's not mm. what they're there for. Mm. So, I, you know, I, I blame the PGML and the management for their leadership and direction of our officials. Listen, we've got some very good match officials. We have. But it's, it's about how you manage, how you manage your, your, your dressing room. So the team of referees are just like the team of players. You're managing a dressing room. Mm. And some need a kick up the backside. Some need an arm around them. Some need a little bit of loving. I know what it's like because I've been under this PGM management. I know exactly how they work. And they've not got that man managing techniques in their armory. That's the problem we've got. That's that's quite interesting, actually, the way you put it, that you still need See, to manage them like a squad. I've never... Absolutely. Even... And, and, it's, and it's no different. You know, good coaches turn... Average players into good players, good players into excellent players, and into and in, on international players. Now, in refereeing, it's no different with the coaches. It yeah, is no yeah. different, no different. But we haven't got the, the you know our best people helping or coaching our elite guys, and all the way down, looking at progression planning, looking at the young referees that are looking to come through and bring them through. And you can still referee in common, with common sense. You can still referee with a smile on your face. You can laugh with players. You can joke with the players. But when you get that opportunity to stamp your authority on a game, you have to do that. And that comes from the leadership and direction of the management. That's yeah. the problem. You know, you've got myself sitting on my backside, not helping with referees. You've got Mark Clattenburg going all over the place, 
doing things and looking after refereeing in China and looking after referees in Greece. We've got Howard Webb in America doing in with the MLS. Now why? You know, all these guys waste. left the P, all these guys left the PGMOL. I left the PGMOL. He didn't want me. He didn't I asked when, when I was retiring? I said, "Is there anything I can do here before I went off to do my book?" He said, "No, I've got nothing for you because it's about this that. is Mike, that, Mike, Mike Riley, that, is it? Yeah, does that fit? That's what it's all about. Does that fit? And it's wrong. Does your face fit? So, but listen, uh, that, 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 that's the way it is. Listen, we're all we, we all love football. I've you know I've grown up. I've played football." Um, I've supported, you know, the team across London for all my, where I, my family brought up in Shepherd's Bush, East Axon. So, you know, Super Hoops, that's my team. Come on, you ours. Uh, <laughs> um, but, you know, um, we, all, we all love football. We're, we're all here for the good of the game. And, and you can understand why fans are getting disgruntled now with, you know, just imagine all these decisions with fans in the state of yeah, Mark, the, the only other remotely controversial thing on, on Saturday was the Aspilicueta handball. And it looked like he sort of made a movement towards it with his hand, at least. And I know it might have come off his hip, but it's one of those that we saw given last year. We saw given at the start of this season, but it was looked at for five, ten seconds again. And, and what was your initial thoughts on that one? Do you think it would have been a harsh one or do you uh, think that's something VAR should have looked at in deeper detail? I, I do. And... Um... Again, that situation is subjective. I, you know, my first, in, my initial reaction was when I first saw, it, I didn't, I didn't think nothing to it. And then when they see it again, you think, oh, you know. But I, I, I would have been, I thought that would have been very, very harsh had that been given as a penalty. I have to say, um, it's got to be a deliberate movement of the arm towards the ball. Has to be, you know, making yourself bigger um, and 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 having your arms in an unnatural position. So. You know, it's the same as, as looking at the, the, the send-off in the game, and you know they looked at it numerous times. How many times did how many times did they look at that at that instant? Yeah. And listen, you look at you, you, when you look at a VAR you, and the referee goes across. You look at it. You, you look at it one time in slow motion to see the point of contact, and then you should be watching it in real time. And they looked at that numerous of times, absolutely numerous of times. So if you're looking at that that many times, it's not a clear and obvious error. You shouldn't be looking yeah. at it. You shouldn't be recommending it for a review. So, listen, I think the handball law, uh, I mean, listen, we've had so many goals ruled out this season because of that T-shirt line with the hand, with, with the arm now, because you can you can score with the top of your arm and your armpit. So that comes into place. So that has ruled out so many goals. I mean, it's a nonsense. For me, handball yeah. is from the top of the shoulder all the way down to your fingernails. The sooner we bring that back into, in, in, into play, that whole of the arm, forget the T-shirt line, and then we will see a lot more goals scored. But the sooner we get back to this, the, the, the handball, and, and it will change next season. I mean, we saw Callum Wilson's goal disallowed for Newcastle because yeah, it's heartbreaking. Listen, that. listen there's, there's nothing he can do. He can't get out of the way. But the law says if it, it's, it comes off his arm accidentally and he puts the ball in the net, he has to be disallowed. That will be the same next season. That won't change. That will not change. Where it will change is if you're in the penalty area, a teammate accidentally handballs it, hits his arm, then falls to Callum Wilson. He <laughs> puts it in joke. the back of the net. Hang on. He puts it into the back of the net. That will then be allowed. Brilliant. Brilliant. What? Ridiculous. It's a farce. Mark, there was another thing I wanted to ask. Usually when um, VAR gets pelters from all corners, one of the main suggestions is putting an ex-pro in there or putting someone who used to play the game at the top level um, as one of the decision makers. What do you think about that? Do you think, do you think there's room to... 
to bring in ex-pros or do you think people like yourself and Mark Clattenburg and all the people you mentioned would be better off serving in that role? Yeah, listen, we were all top referees, weren't we? I, I think that referees can. I mean, I spent many years training with Bolton Wanderers full-time with under Sam Allardyce. You know, I had great, you know, good friends with Kevin Nolan. I still text Kevin mm. now. Um, he wasn't happy on the Saturday, <laughs> I can assure you. <laughs> and nor was David, because I've worked with David with BN Sports out in, 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 in Doha, and I get on, I've always got on well with David, so he, he wasn't best pleased either as well, I can assure you. Um, so, uh, listen, I, I think that, you know, we're looking at the standards of, of, of refereeing. Yes, I think since, you know, I think it has been on a decline since I think Mike's come into office when he took over from Keith Hackett. Um but I still feel we've we've got we've got really good referees, but it's the way you coach and the way you lead them. Active referees and VAR sitting in front of the screen is two totally different professions. And I think you know one one Saturday Saturday afternoon one of the refs are doing VAR, and then he's got he finishes that, and then he's got to drive to wherever he's got to drive in the country and referee on a Sunday. And for me, I, I think that's too much. So I think you've got your active referees who stay active. And you have a retired pool of, of, of top referees doing VAR. Yeah. And then it gets everyone in the swing of what they're doing, everyone doing the same yeah, thing. Absolutely. I, 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 absolutely. And, and, and going on to players, I'm, I think that, you know, you talk about football players. Yes, they will help in, with, with challenges and how, how players go into challenges, whether they're going with the correct leg or they're going with the wrong leg. And, and I, I think we see, a lot of, we see a lot of professional footballers in League One and League Two retire early because obviously, you know, it's just, the, the money's not there as it is in the championship and in the Premier League. We know that. All right, so I, I'd like to see the, the way that we they, they they do in cricket. Whereas when professional cricketers retire, they take they take the exam at the umpiring course and they go straight into second 11 umpiring. Yeah. And that's where they do their training. And then they get put into the county, the county scene and then some of them go on to be um, international umpires. So I, I would like to see any, any of those because, you know, it, it's good. It's not a bad living as a referee. I think the referees now earn more than the guys do in League One and League Two. What so, would it, know, just, a, a just, rough, but, just but roughly, just, Mark, what's a ballpark? Go on, sorry. So before I finish, yeah. So um, so I think what they should do, if those players that are interested in, in taking up refereeing, and there won't be many because I didn't want to do it and all of a sudden my mate persuaded me, Um I think they should take do the course, pass the exam, and go straight into the national league. Mm. And they start they do they do their they do their training and their learning, refereeing in the national league, and then move their way up. Yeah, not start a... not 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 start at the you know right at the bottom refereeing you know Sunday the, the league dog and duck the dog yeah. and duck versus the plow. Do you know what I mean start is that, mm. you know so I, you need to accelerate their promotion. I think you, you, you can do that. We may get a few more ex pros refereeing, but I mean I mean listen if I mean I you look at Michael Oliver and, and Anthony Taylor they you know they've reached the elite level of UEFA. They're in the first you know the, the elite category, and you know you're, you're earning what I I, I reckon they're earning. All their games with the Premier League, you know, two hundred thousand plus. Obviously, with their bonuses and everything, because you obviously, you, you know, you, you get a performance on and off performance on and off field performance bonus as well. So, um, so I, I think the top guys are earning, you know, quite, quite, quite good money. I mean, I think the basics on the on is around about a hundred thousand now on the on the Premier League. That's the basic. Plus, you get all your expenses on top. Plus, you get your match fees on top of that. So, yeah, yeah. you know, it's it's not a bad it's not a bad little earner. 
um, no. to become professional. Mark, uh, it's been absolutely brilliant having you with us. Um, wonderful for you to join us. We appreciate you giving us your time. Just quickly then, what would you like to see next season if you were in that um, the, the seat of authority and your your extensive experience was being utilised far more in the professional game than it sounds like it is at the moment. What would you what would you be pushing for and campaigning for to change about uh, for football, Premier League football, well, particularly as we know it? For me, just leave it as it is. Listen, there's nothing wrong with VAR. VAR is perfect. Mm. It's the personnel that are using it. Listen, you know, with offsides, we know it's factual. You're either off or you're on. But we've seen so many incidents this season, you know, where goals, I mean, in my opinion, goals should have been given for that toenail, that heel. Those are the sorts where, you know, take away the lines, use the naked eye. And if you, you, you normally, you can tell, can't you? In the first replay, if someone's a, a yard or half a yard offside, you know, you can see it straight away. Use those lines. If you can't, like in an MLS, MLS, they don't use the lines. Use the naked eye. If you can't tell he's off within the first or second replay, 15, 15 seconds, bang, get on with the game, it's a goal. Refereeing is not a science, it's an art. So it's been the same for when football starts all the way up to now. So yes, you can referee with common sense and it's that leadership and direction of the referees and, and how you want them to referee. That, 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 that's one thing. I think another thing, I, you know, we, we, need, we need a few more coaches and they're working under an evaluation system at the moment. I don't. I worked under that, and I don't like it. And I know the match officials don't like it. Um, so that 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 would go because you need that personal interaction. This this evaluation system, it just tells you whether you're right or wrong. You, right. you know, it goes for every decision you make, whether it's a throw, corner, goal kick, foul, non-foul, key match decisions, anything. Just tell it gives you. It's a tick box. And that's why I think referees gone gone the other way. But also, um, I I put a lot more into the training education of um, VAR because it obviously is upsetting everybody in football. It's upsetting everybody in football. And I would definitely have two separate lists, an active list and a retired list and give them that leadership and direction and, 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 and the confidence. And every, everything we do in life is about confidence. Everything we do mm. is confidence. And it's about as a referee going out there with confidence. And there's a lot of there's a lot of referees at the moment don't know which way to you know which way to go. Yeah. And 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 the other thing is for me is that the referees are relying on VAR too much to come and bail them out if they don't make if they're not make if they don't make the, get the correct decision. They're not given decisions when the, you know if, if VAR weren't there they would be given decisions. Carry on making those decisions. Give them the confidence to just make those big decisions. And if it's an absolute howler, then VAR will come in and and, and bail you out. Mm. I mean, I wish I had VAR when I was refereeing on a couple of occasions, I tell you. <laughs> Isn't that evaluation system then, by the sounds of what you're saying, it's that that takes the ability to have any common sense out? Because if they're just every decision is just right or wrong per the exact laws of the game, that perhaps, I guess, is why Chris Kavanagh felt, well, that doesn't make for a very good football game or football spectacle, which is ultimately why we're all here. However... I'm going to get a, if I don't send Balbuena off for that, I'm going to get a downgrading because technically per the exact laws of the game, I'm going to get a wrong on my evaluation system. And I, well, and I don't want that. Well, that's right. And also, because you get that, if you, if you know, you've got the guy that's looking at your evaluation system, you've got that right to appeal, but it, it never changes. Cause I know, cause I've been, I've been involved. It was a waste of time appealing on a, <laughs> on a, on a certain situation, but yeah, I think that, 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 that does obviously, if you're getting if you're getting um, bad marks from the evaluator, then that drops you down your merit list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So you, you, you're going to do. And help. listen, it, it's all. It, it, you can still referee with common sense. You can mm. still referee with common sense. It's about going out there, managing the game, managing the players, managing the event. That's what it's about. Yes, you, you, you try and referee the game within the confines of the laws of the game, but there are times where you you know you, you just can't manage. There are times where there are incidents where you just can't manage. Massive pressure this summer on the lawmakers and the PGMOL, perhaps more than there ever has been before, because well, I think I'm not the only one, Tom. You're the same, aren't you? Just fed yeah. up of fed up well, of it, it all, really. Just well, all. It, well, let's get it right. The, the, the IFAB have met and the law changes that are coming in for next season have already been discussed. There'll be no more law changes other than what we've discussed, mm. you know, regarding, you know, the, the, hand, the handball situation. So that's... So that that that's the one that will change next season. There won't be no more changes, you know. But you know that the next meeting will be in March next year when they sit down. And so if everybody's unhappy, pressure on the PGMOL then, Mark. What they've got to do? They've got they've got to listen to the fans. They've got to listen to the fans. You know, they're all praising the fans regarding this Super League. Now let's let the fans have their say on some of the laws of the game. Yeah, you, you know, think bombard, so? Bombard bombard the IFAB. With 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 all with all your suggestions, especially one for me is is the t-shirt line is absolute nonsense, absolute nonsense. I mean, half the goals are ruled out this season have been because of the t-shirt line because you can score with your armpit or the top of your arm. <laughs> Absolutely, it's, I mean it's really refreshing. Mark, you know, you, too. You, you, you're not seeking to gain advantage. All of a sudden, you point you point to play the ball in that way, and you go and run, you and you get it, and you put the ball in the back of that hole. Your t-shirt line was offside because he's pointing to what way to put the ball. Patrick, Patrick Bamford, that was earlier in the season, wasn't it? That's right. Leeds? Yeah, that was. Yeah. yeah, and there's so many of those, Mark. Where I just think this isn't this isn't the game we all love, and I think that's that's no. what that's what really worries people. Uh, Tom, I think we're both in agreement on this. The game we love and all of us love is is being sort of ruined and degraded by several factors, but particularly that one at the moment. Just the enjoyment of watching a game anymore has has been taken out of it for me. So let's hope that uh, you know if it's a bit of a slower process that it does get sorted. So, Mark, we obviously spoke to you earlier on today and we really appreciate you jumping back in. You made it emphatically clear at the time, as we all hoped, that the decision would get overturned. Well, during the day on Tuesday, that decision has been made and it has been overturned. No concern about embarrassing the officials concerned, obviously, by those making the decision. What was your reaction now you know that the the decision has been, been relinquished? Well, I think the saying goes, justice has been done, hasn't it? I mean, and right and rightly so, he was overturned because, as I said earlier, it just wasn't a challenge. He was clearing the ball. But more worrying for me is, you know, that Peter Banks in the VAR room at Stockley Park and, and, and Chris Kavanagh both saw that as, as, as a red card. And, 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 you know, going down to 10 men, it's a big big key moment for, for West Ham because who knows what have happened in the last 10 minutes or so um, if they have had 11 players on the field and it's not the first time it's happened to West Ham mostly at Fulham and uh, West Ham with with, with Thomas um, Suchek. Suchek yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so well, su- it's yeah I, I, I'm, I'm pleased I'm pleased um, it's been overturned and and as I say, rightly so. And I, and, I, and I know David Moyes is very pleased. Like you say, justice was done. And uh, you reckon David Moyes would be pretty pleased with that decision, do you? Yes, I do. <laughs> I know he is. 
<laughs> there we go there we go well, look mark we really appreciate you jumping back on uh again obviously the story developed throughout the day so it's good of you to give us your time in the first place but to uh to jump back on and give us a reaction to that news justice done like you say and uh fingers crossed we don't have quite as many of them for the rest of the season So Mark Halsey there, absolutely brilliant to hear from Mark, lads. Debutant on the show, first time guest for We Are West Ham, former Premier League referee, 13 years experience, living out in Spain now. Tommy scuttled off to the driving range after chatting to us. Uh, that is not a bad life whatsoever, is it? But brilliant to hear from Mark there. No wins last week, lads, for the Betway charity bets. Jonesy, uh, you had both teams to score over two and a half goals. Bowen first goal scorer, so no luck for you there. I had draw under four and a half, Chelsea to score first. And last, no luck for me on that one either. Thomas, you had West Ham to win, goal each half and Suchek to score first. So a bit wider the mark for us this week, lads, unfortunately. I did think, um, I think I was probably the closest, draw under four and a half, Chelsea to score uh, first and last. Uh, I did think once they bagged the first one, I thought, oh, you never know. We might still have half a chance here, but not to be, unfortunately. Tom, tell me what you've gone for for Burnley Monday night. Yeah, this week I've gone under 2.5 goals, West Ham to win, um, four nows to score any time. I think it'll be a cagey affair. I, I've got to back us from what Chad said as well. This, this season, just got to back West Ham. And then four nows, he's due one. And um, he only tends to score away from home. So I thought I'd, um, I'd, I'd have a little sneak at one before the end of the season, a bit of a wider one. Fair play, mate. Jonesy? West Ham win. Uh, Jared Bowen first goal scorer again I, I think he's been really really good up front he's deputised well for Antonio so I fancy him to get back on the score sheet and i got uh, a boy Jesse uh, to either score or assist either or I can't expect him to score every, week, uh, every weekend but he's got an assist him as well and he's so yeah either or for him Fair play mate you like the old Bowen first goal scorer a bit don't you? Yeah, he just never he never gets it in when I back him. <laughs> yeah. Back him now until the end of the season. Yeah, fair enough, mate. Well, I've gone both teams to score. Craig Dawson to have one or more shots on target, and Chris Wood to score any time. Although listening, um, you know, to everyone saying about Chris Wood, obviously after getting three last week, you fear will he manage to keep on going but he does love a goal against us as well doesn't he and I fancy Dawson coming back he's bound to at least leap up and meet one header at a corner to get one shot on targets fingers crossed as always those uh, odds will go up on our Twitter later in the week and you can back those bets for real if you like on the Betway website and app just go to the pre-built bet selections for the West Ham v Burnley game uh, over there at Betway and you can back them under the We Are West Ham bets where you'll see my name, James's name and Tom's against the bet selections and you can back them for real if you want to do that. Stay with us because we've got the opposition view. Simon Townley from Turf Cars Podcast to so let us know whether those bets have got any chance next. You are still listening to the We Are West Ham podcast with me, Will Pugh, Tom Edwards and James Jones. Moving on for the opposition view is uh, joining us is Simon Townley from the Turfcast podcast. Our friends at the Turfcast podcast. Great having these guys on. But Simon, it's your first time. We really appreciate you joining us. An absolutely phenomenal win 
against Wolves last time out for your boys. I don't think anyone saw that coming. Not the Wolves have been great this season, but it was more the uh, 3-0 up inside the first half and the hat-trick from super Chris Wood that I think took everyone aback somewhat. You wrapped it up nicely, a perfect 4-0 win. Uh, what did you make of it? And surely, surely you're safe now. Well, you'd like to think so. I think we were safe before, which uh, sounds a bit daft when you're only six points above. But it's so easy to look over your shoulder and think, oh, it's only six points. But when you're in that bottom three and you're looking up at six points, it seems a massive difference. So I, I always felt quite confident that we would stay up anyway. Apologies, guys, about my voice. It's gone all day. I don't know what's happened to it. <laughs> um, but yeah, what a performance. I mean, that that was not expected by any Burnley fan. I can tell you that categorically. I bet there'd be a rich man who put 4-0 on at the bookies, I'll tell you, because no one would have expected that. Well, you're 14th now. Simon, mm-hmm. and like you said, I mean, that's nine points you are ahead of, of Fulham now. We're in 18th. You've got Southampton, Newcastle and Brighton between you. That's a nice little buffer. Although it is still tight on points, you'd hope that those teams beneath you aren't going to get enough. Where did that come from against Wolves then? I know Chris Wood, he's a decent player. And as always happens with these things, he bags a hat trick and all of a sudden there's talk about where he's going to go at the end of the yeah. season, etc., etc. But, but where did that, that game come from? You hadn't won since uh, a game against Everton, some pretty iffy results, losing to Newcastle as well the week before. You know, it wasn't one, I think, that, that many people saw coming. No, do you know what, though? It's, it was We have had some iffy results lately. For example, the Newcastle one is a perfect one. But we actually played quite well. It was only the introduction of uh, St. Maximum and Wilson that just turned that game on its head all of a sudden. But it was too late to sort of get it back so even though the result was horrific I, di- I didn't come away thinking we, we were poor or anything like that Southampton game for example another one one before that we was 2-0 up and got beat 3-2 um, so I think we were 2-0 anyway but we were winning definitely and uh, and we lost it and it's just that's unlike Burnley to be ahead and then lose it we found it difficult to get ahead not not keep a lead do you know what I mean <laughs> so uh, the results haven't necessarily reflected the performance. And then the Wolves one was the complete opposite. Everything went our way. Uh, if I compare that to the Man United game, the one before, it was 1-1 till 85th, uh, 80th minute, sorry, 75th minute area. Uh, a deflected shot, took it into the net to make it 2-1. Oh, and that 3-1. was a fluke, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and 3-1 would never have happened if we didn't have to force the issue because it just spread, it just stretched the play and it opened up for them. But yeah, the opposite of that was the Wolves game where everything just fell to place. Every attack, every ball over the top was straight at Chris Wood. He controlled everything. Um, but being pr- pretty honest, a bit truthful, Wolves were horrific. And I think that you'd have been a poor side to get beat against Wolves that day. Yeah. So I'm away from the football just for a moment. Um, see, Burnley had, had a, a takeover earlier this year. Yeah, uh, I was just reading up on it earlier, and how worried are Burnley fans regarding this takeover? Because you've gone from having absolutely zero debt to now you're ninety million quid in debt. Yeah, um, is, is that a worry? Because I mean, it, it, first of all, it seems pretty sketchy from the outside mm-hmm. looking in. But is that is that a worry? Because Burnley have always been quite well known as a, a very well well run club, very shrewd with its with its investments, in particularly in the transfer window. And now, 90 million quid in debt. I think everybody's worried about it. I've, uh, there's been a mass 
sort of uh, social media uh, influx of people saying, you know, what is this? Why were these people? Have they even got any money? A lot of questions have been coming out. Um, Alan Pearce himself is on Twitter. Uh, and he's quite responsive with these things, and we're not used to any of this. We're quite underground, as you would say, as a club, um, and and well run and well oiled. And now I'm having to learn new things about financial infrastructure of, of owning a club, just to keep up with what's going on. Um, so it is worrying and it is concerning. The way I've sort of educated myself to digest it easier, it seems to be that basically, you know, when you buy a house that's undervalued. So you do it up and then remortgage it to the actual worth. So you've got some money in your bank, but you're in a shitload of debt. That theoretically is what these guys have done. They've bought a club that they think is potentially more valuable and use its own assets against it to release the money back to them. Uh, that seems to be the simplest way to digest it, but I might be wrong on that. It is worrying, but it's also kind of exciting because where were we going to be in five years anyway, the way we was running? You know, the, we've got an aging team. We've got... Um, We've always been underdogs. We're always favourites to go down in someone's books. Um, so I, th I think that if we don't take this risk, we were probably two years away from a relegation anyway. Do you think it adds more... Sorry, Tom. Um, oh, do you think it just adds that added extra pressure, though, to, to Burnley Football Club in terms of having to stay in the Premier League? Because, as you said, you know, a lot of people will have Burnley to go down most seasons over the last yeah. four or five years. Um, and Sean Dyche and, you know continues to work wonders absolutely superb but then there's there's pressure now that if you do go down with that amount of debt like riddled with debt like game over isn't it <laughs> yeah no yeah you're bang on mate it's, it could be potentially game over we've seen it happen to our neighbours at Wigan we've seen it happen to yeah. teams like Portsmouth when they've gone down they've never really sustained it and got it back Um so yeah it is concerning it is worrying but I do think that we would have always been a sustainable club. So, like you said, that is the biggest risk factor now, is it we're going to be sustainable. But, however, if you want to achieve anything, we did need an investment and we do want to take it to that next level. And finishing seventh, uh, I can't remember the year, no, 2018, at the end of 2018 season, finishing seventh and getting that taste of Europa, uh, it's just sort of given us a taste for something that we were striving for. Much like yourselves, you know what I mean? You're doing unbelievable this season. You've got yourselves to fourth and you're battling on for it. If you get that and then don't achieve that for three, four more years and you're just floating around, you start asking, mm. like, could we ever do it again, so to speak? Yeah. Simon, that's, that's what I was going to say. I think Burnley get an unfair press sometimes. You came seventh, which is something mm. that we could do this year and we've got wax lyrical about. You came seventh when we came seventh under Paye. We got all the attention. You got zero attention. You came 10th two years ago. Um, and Sean Dyche is truly doing an unbelievable job. Is there a worry, and this is no disrespect to you guys, but is there a worry that Sean Dyche would eventually look for, for greener pastures or at least somewhere where he's got a new challenge, whether it's a better challenge or not? Who knows? But is there a worry that Sean Dyche may be getting to the end of his tether and thinking that I'm, I'm going to find something new now? Do you know what? It's a great question. It's, it's so... Well put, really, as well, because I'm sick of hearing other people sort of diminishing it as like, oh, little old Burnley. Uh, so I think the way you put it is perfect because Palace is one job that I've always been concerned about. Um, I know West Ham's been mentioned a few times. I've never been too concerned about West Ham, and it's no disrespect to West Ham, but I also think that the 
infrastructure of Palace and the longevity and, and the, you know, your recent managerial longevity hasn't necessarily been there. Whereas I think that Sean, from what he's got now, would he want to risk it? For example, I heard um, Spurs, uh, the narrative on TalkSport this morning was all about Spurs. Why is he not mentioned for jobs like that at the minute? But like you, like you say, you know what I mean? It's quite a gamble for him personally. He's got such a cushy job at the minute, mate. He could do anything. He could get relegated. He still have a mm. job here. If he goes to you and has a bad thing and the fans are getting on his back or he goes to Palace, that's the only thing that gives me a bit of confidence will keep him. However, I do think that if it was me and myself, he's not from round here. So I think he's from Northampton, played mm -hmm. at Watford, etc. So I do think if a Southern Bounton club comes in, it would probably tempt him. So yeah, I do think that that's a possibility. It's a strange one on Sean Dyche, isn't it? I, I must admit, Simon, I, I, if I was a Burnley supporter, and I remember I was guilty of it last season. Uh, we had one of your colleagues on. I can't remember who it was now, but we had sure. one of your colleagues on. And I said, I think it was Joe, yeah. And uh, yeah. And, I, and I remember saying, yeah, you know, being Burnley, you just you, you seem to just want to be quite happy existing. You know, West Ham fans mm. are a notoriously volatile bunch and, uh, you know, often got delusions of grandeur. I think we're a lot bigger and better than we are. And other clubs look at us and go, oh, up until this season, you're just mediocre points fodder. We can easily pick up six points against you. Just stop <laughs> thinking you're so massive. And I remember saying, you know, what's it like being a Burnley fan? Because where the, where the goal seems to just be to exist, because us at West Ham find that a little bit or have found it frustrating. And to be fair, and I was, I was surprised. I think Joe said, yeah, there, there is a bit of that. You've touched on it with the, the Europa League stuff. And do you find it frustrating continually getting asked questions? I'm not digging you out, Tom, but mm. ask questions about Dyche because I hate it about modern football. And it's a bit the same with Declan Rice now. There's almost that inevitability that... Um, players are going to players or managers are going to go just because they're performing well at a so-called smaller club is it frustrating with the Sean Dyche stuff it is it's very frustrating because you don't want that instability about us when that's what we're kind of known for so you don't want to start having people rock your own boat for when you've done nothing wrong yourselves um so yeah it does get frustrating in that manner but to be honest with you, I think it just breeds success because people are looking at you anyway and saying, well, they're doing well. Why, why should we not take Tarkovsky's dash, Pops? You know what I mean? We are just, it's just, a, a vic we're victims of a success rate at the minute. And uh, are we becoming a feeder club to some descriptions? You remember years ago, Southampton were that kind of club with Liverpool and they offloaded a lot of players to bigger clubs, as you would say. Um, but Dash doesn't get the credit he deserves. I think... If he got a job like at West Ham or Palace or Spurs or something and got given the time, he would build something special somewhere. Um, but he's done it at Burnley with zero money. I think he spent two million this summer. Uh, and one of them was on Dale Stevens. So I don't even know if you can count that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't even remember last time he played. Uh, so, yeah, so he's been, it's been a miracle. Uh, it doesn't bother me necessarily, like, like I say, I think it means that we're actually doing well if people are talking about us, so it doesn't necessarily bother me. Um, you guys, for example, with Moise, I think that you're probably ummed and hard about it, but there's something can be special about just starting from scratch again and, and just saying, right, let's get back to basics, let's play football, long ball if you have to. Do you know what I mean? This continental football doesn't necessarily always work, um, and it can bring success going back to like 4-4-2s and the like.
I've just I've just um interested about the the Chris Wibb thing because I've just had a look mm. at his his stats. He scored a hundred. He scored forty four goals in one hundred and twenty two games in the Premier League, and Mikel Antonio scored forty three in one hundred and fifty games. And we wax lyrical about Antonio, and we love him, and and he's done a lot of good things. But Chris Wood is one. I I just want to know in sort of the like the greats of Burnley Football Club. Where where does he stand? Because true, those numbers are seriously seriously good. I can't think of anyone scoring that level of goals for West Ham since I've been a fan in the Premier League. And it just interests me that one, no one's taken him. Not to say that they can just bully Burnley, but where do you rank him and how highly do you rate him? Because they there's some seriously impressive numbers in the Premier League. Yeah, do you know what? He's massively underrated, not just by the Premier League, not just by other clubs, but by Burnley fans. Burnley fans get so frustrated with him. I mean, he's possibly one of the... You know how every club has that player that you just get on the back? Um, he's kind of one of them players for us because he's offside so many times, the fans will get on his back. But I've got an interesting stat that I seen earlier on Twitter and I've nicked it from... Let me just have a look what it says. Five yards. Um, and it's saying, like, most accurate shots in the Premier League for a striker, right? Minimum 30 shots this season. Chris, Chris Wood is on 34 shots on target. There's 59%, which is higher than anyone else. Lacazette second, Calvert-Lewin third, Jesse Lingard at um, fourth, Diego Yota, and then Rodriguez. And, and like you said, no one ever talks about him. But he's been. if he finishes our top goal scorer this season, which is highly likely he's going to be, it's the fourth season in a row he's been the top goal scorer for us. But is he going to be on a, you know, a Hall of Fame at Burnley Football Club? Probably not, and I couldn't answer that why because he's actually doing an unbelievable job. Mm-hmm. Simon, looking ahead, sir. English. <laughs> if he was an English centre forward, would we be raving about him? Would clubs be would, looking at him more? Will he go then? Just before James cuts in, sorry, James. Sorry, will, James. will he go anywhere, Simon? Can you expect anyone? There's been talk about it, or do you think it's just he, Burnley's his fit? Sorry, Jonesy. Absolutely not. No, I think he could go somewhere, mate. I think uh, the fact that he's not English necessarily doesn't time to us. You know what I mean? Like we're quite a local-based team. Sometimes uh, we get a bit of a, a community spirit around us. So I don't know necessarily if he would have the same ties to the club as others. Maybe at the club do. So I think if an offer came in, and I don't know, how it all works with the. We've been linked. Could you see him yeah. at us? I, to be fair, I could. I, I genuinely could. I could see him at. You know, clubs that are in the top 10 consistently. I know you guys are this season, but I could genuinely see him as a top half Premier League player because his shot accuracy is phenomenal for a club like us. We don't get many shots rare in my hand as well. So, yeah, no, fair play to him. I think he's uh, he's probably worthy of getting the whispers now. So, I'm looking ahead to, to Monday. Um, yes, I stand don't have a, a great record at Turf Moor. Hmm. Uh, you guys on the back of a huge win. We, we've lost their last two. Um, but I would argue there's probably there's a lot more at stake for, for West Ham. But do, do, do you think that do you think Burnley, perhaps given that you're all, all but safe, do you think that there might be a little bit of not so much being on the on the beach, but you know, kind of a little bit more like we've got we've got that big win out of our way now. Um we can relax a little bit or can we expect to come up against a, uh, an even more resilient and, and strong Burnley as we saw against Wolves? I think if I was, to, do you know what, it'd be understandable if we took our foot off the gas a little bit, but I think if you was ever to expect to come against an anything but a well-drilled uh, 100% Burnley side, we'd be naive to think that. 
Um, possibly with the pressure off, let's see. I don't know because it's very rare as a Burnley fan that we have we are not fighting relegation or in that one season where we finished seventh. Even this season where Tom mentioned that we finished tenth, it was only the last couple of games it disappeared from us the Europa. I think Sheffield was above us. Um, and you know, it was we were possibly in there until the last game or two. So it's very rare to see us with the pressure off, but mathematically, mate, we're still not safe anyway. So maybe we will just go into the full hard hearted talent, you know, and get on with it. But I don't know yet, mate. I'm not I'm not hundred percent on that one. Well, look, Simon, it's been absolutely brilliant having you with us. Uh, great insight. No, Just before you. you go, I will get a score prediction off you, but I hear yeah. you actually cut the hair of some of the Burnley players. So I want to hear from you. Who's the best and who's the worst of the Barnets that you have to sort out at Burnley? And I bet you've had some serious business now. Lockdown's up. Yeah, well, it's been quite busy at the minute, but uh, sorry again about my voice. It's on its way out. Um, do you know what? I get more credit for Matt Lawton's hair. Um <laughs> I probably get more credit for that one because it's more visual. Uh, although after last week's performance at Wolves, uh, my Twitter and Instagram went off because of the Chris Wood haircut. Um, so yeah, I'll probably save them two at the minute. Oh, good man, good man. Well, if uh, if Chris wants any uh, tips on what's life life is like at West Ham next time, you feel good. free to uh, to hand him our numbers. But look, uh, just before we let you go, then Simon, it's been brilliant having you with us. What's your score prediction? Burnley versus West Ham Monday night, eight fifteen kickoff at Turf Moor. Do you know what? Because we're at home, I do fancy us. Um, but you, you're fighting a different fight than us at the minute, and I think yours is a stronger battle. So I don't think it'll be an easy win if we are to win it. I think I'd take a 1-0 now, to be honest with you. I think you'll, so. you'll come out battling. Fair play, 1-0 from Simon. Uh, Tom Edwards, what are you saying? Yeah, Hart's not saying good things, but um, I'll go, I think 1-0. I think 1-0 West Ham. I think either way, I'm with him. I think 1-0 either way, and I'll go West Ham. Okay, Jonesy? Twin always scores against us, doesn't he? So, yeah. I think Bernie will get on a score sheet, but I don't... I, some are telling me that we're going to bounce back um, after I two defeats. I'm going to say I'm going to say two one. It'd be tight. It'd definitely be tight. Um, yeah, two one to West Ham. Yeah, All right, two one to West Ham. I'm going to go one all. Uh, I went nil nil last week, Boring. and no, nah, well, you know, I just like being right. No, nah, I just fancy it's it's, it's one of those. I, I can just <laughs> see how us uh, sliding down a bit. It's not going to be an easy game, like you say. Our record there is not phenomenal. Um, we looked a little bit blunt and I think that lack of genuine investment is starting to catch up with us now. So, uh, exactly. yeah. good to be back. Exactly. Yeah, I think uh, I think one I think you, you know. will be. Yeah. Who's that? Sorry? No, that's a worry. Sorry, Declan's going to be a bad. That's a worry for us because you look a different team with him in your side. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I mean, you don't know if you can be back to full fitness, but I'm going to go one all. But look, Simon Townley there from the Turfcast podcast. Been brilliant having you with us, mate. Thanks so much for joining us for the first time. And stay with us because it's Name That Game next. So Simon Townley from the Turfcast podcast there, lads. Brilliant stuff to have Simon on for the first time. And definitely hairdresser to the stars, Tom, as well. He's uh, not only does a load of Burnley players, gets involved with all the Love Island heads as well. Uh, yeah. Very famous indeed. We did say it, Tom. Perhaps you can have a go at yours 
next time round, uh, next time you need your Barnet doing and your missus is busy. Name that game, boys. It's been a while, three weeks. We've all had some time off of the podcast, which means the competition has to be put on the back burner for a while. But it is back today. I am the quiz master. I currently sit second with 37 points. James is bottom on 36. Tom Miles out in front on 43. For anyone new to the podcast, each week the quiz master, which this week is me, picks a West Ham match from history collate seven pieces of information about that game uh, we read them out one by one and uh, whichever one of the boys can interrupt and uh, and get the next piece of information before it's read out they get a point for each one they get correct as each bit of information is revealed so straight into it lads uh, obscure fact slash piece of information about this game is that in a in a week when americans have been extremely unpopular for this West Ham game, there were two of them on the field. So I need the score line from one of you for the next one, if either of you have got it. Do either um, of you want to have a guess, Tom? 4-0. 4-0 is incorrect, James Jones. I go... Oh, I think I know what game it is. Wow. I go... Is it... 2-1 James Jones 2-1 is absolutely correct that's one point a huge point for James Jones there Tom it throws back to you I need one opposition goal scorer please wow Jonesy well done if you've got this one um, do you say two, two Americans playing for West Ham I just said there were two Americans playing okay up to you to decide whether they were for um, West Ham or both. Brian McBride. Uh, incorrect. Jonesy, an opposition goal scorer, please. I can't remember who scored in this game. Uh, I'm going to say Landon Donovan. Landon Donovan is incorrect unfortunately so no points for the opposition goal scorer there uh jonesy still one nil up but the opposition goal scorer was roque santa cruz oh the game i was thinking um so thomas a west ham goal scorer please freddie sears Freddie Sears, that is correct. Thomas Edwards, well played. That makes it one all. James Jones, it throws to you for the stadium. Upton Park. James Jones makes it 2-1 there. The opponent, please, Tom. Blackburn. Blackburn Rovers, Tom Edwards makes it 2 all as it gets to the decider, which is James Jones to guess first for the season, James, to make a much-needed or give you a much-needed win and make the scores 3-2. The season, please, James Jones. Ah, <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, he's not happy. He is not happy. Go 10-11. 10-11 is incorrect. Tom Edwards, yeah. have you got anything better? Can you do any better <laughs> to, to steal victory from the jaws of defeat? What have you yeah, got? Yeah, I would, I might know it. 07-08, because I think I was playing a football tournament at the time Freddie Sears scored. 
James Jones does not look happy with that answer whatsoever. But I can tell you, boys, that the season West Ham beat Blackburn 2-1 and Freddie Sears scored on his West Ham debut was 2007. 2008 tom edwards is correct and takes the win from nowhere james jones the despondent james jones looks absolutely <laughs> gutted he needed the win but top of the table tom gets the points in the bag tom edwards goes to 46 points james jones up to 38 which puts me bottom of the lead uh, the leaderboard excuse me on 37 points james what happened there you seem so confident you roared out into the lead you got the score line which people hardly ever get and then just collapse i, I was thinking of um play play uh everton i was thinking of jonathan Spector and nan and donovan mm, fair play brad friedel uh, was brad the uh, american for black yeah that day. yeah but look, fair play to uh tom edwards a exciting one uh, and name that game will, of course, be back next week and every week from then until the end of the season. Congrats, but stay with us because we've got Michelle, West Ham women's season ticket holder, to have a look back at the girls' big draw against Everton. And are they safe in the WSL next? So that was Name That Game there. You're still listening to the We Are West Ham podcast with me, Will Pugh, Tom Edwards and James Jones. I'm delighted to say that the third We Are West Ham debutante of the evening is joining us. It's Michelle. Michelle is a season ticket holder for the West Ham women. It was a big, big draw against Everton on the weekend. Michelle, surely, surely the girls are safe now. I know... I know you can't say until it's mathematically possible, but ninth in the WSL, 14 points, Birmingham, Aston Villa and Bristol City below them. The girls have played 19, Bristol City have played 20. Are we safe or are we not? Oh, that is the question. Um, in my head, I think yes. And in my heart, I think yes. Um, because we are not playing like a team that is struggling and not adapting and not playing together. You know, we're showing real, real good pieces of play, real heart and desire. We're coming together. We're, you know, we're attacking, although we haven't scored a lot of goals, but we have got that, you know, fighting intent. And um, I'm, I'm quietly confident, but I think it all rests on the game that's coming up against Aston Villa. I think that is crucial for us, absolutely crucial. And if we can get anything from that, then I think we'll be all right. But yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. In my head, I say yes. In my, I don't. Oh, no. <laughs> you sound you sound about as unsure as we are. But the, know, the, the game against Everton, Alicia Lehman, who went there on loan earlier in the season, didn't come off the bench uh, for the Toffees. Stayed nil nil. It's fair to say that that Everton were on top. They had sixty two percent possession to our thirty eight, uh, four shots on target to our one. But Ollie Harder's is. You know, he's tightened things up at the back, hasn't he? Have you been pleased yeah. what you've seen since you come in? Because it was looking a bit rocky at first, wasn't it? Yeah, um, I think so. I, I mean, I'm a huge fan of Howard Sissoko. I'm absolutely a massive fan of hers. And I think she's come in now, last, you know, m month or so. She's changed our defence. I think she brings out the best in Grace Fisk. She brings out the best in, in Jilly Flackerty. Um, and I think she has been absolutely pivotal for us, keeping those clean sheets. And and I think we've tightened up so much. And 
as far as I can recall, she's played four games now, including a game in the cup, and we've 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 had four clean sheets. And I and I really think it's down to her. Cheryl, what, what do you think needs to, provided we stay up, um, and fingers crossed that we do, with the big TV deal that comes in uh, for next season? What do you think that Ollie Harder needs to do with the squad uh, in the, in the summer before next season in order to ensure that? We're not going through this again next season, and you know, at least at least consolidate mid-table. Uh, let's not try and run before we can walk, and then and then start thinking about pushing. You know, maybe the you know the top the top six, top seven. Mm. I think we need another striker, um, and I think we need a, a real good quality striker as well. Um, I think we've been heavily affected by the loss of Leon. I think she's mm-hmm. she she can be a game changer for us. She's a quality player. I think when we lost Jane Ross, um, she scored quite a lot of goals for us. And I think if we can get that balance right between the link-up play with um, Martha Thomas and Darley, and just that extra bit of you know um, you know target target person, if you like, I think we need a new striker. And if we can score more goals, I think we'll be okay. Yeah. We've missed Leanne badly, badly. Mm-hmm. Michelle, looking looking ahead to the game against Arsenal, obviously away from home. What do you what do you make of that? How do you think we'll fare? Because it, it, it's not a nice place to go. It never has oh, been for the last decade. No. What what no. are you expecting from the girls? Because obviously we've kept four clean sheets on the bounce now. The fence is looking a lot more solid than it was. What are you looking from for the girls? Is it just get out there with your hands dry at a two 0 loss, or or what is it? I think so. Yeah. Um... We never fare well with Arsenal. I don't think no. I've ever seen. <laughs> I think it's such a shame because they are such a good team and they are prolific. They they hit you. They hit you so hard. And and little old West Ham can't handle that, I don't think. And we've never fared well against them. So, oh, I don't really want to think about that game too much. And I actually went to the 9-1 at Dagenham, yeah. the, um, the, the exhibition game. It was terrible. It was terrible. <laughs> it was horrendous, isn't it? Um, oh, it was terrible. And um, it was four. I think we were four-one down at half time. It was, it was so bad. But I do. Arsenal as a team is what we should strive to be. They've got every avenue covered, every avenue, and they've got a prolific striker in Miedemar. And um, I don't know. I just. I want to sweep that one away and concentrate on Villa game. Well, that's it. You mentioned that there, Michelle. We've got Arsenal on Wednesday night. That is 7.30 kickoff for those of listening who want to watch that. Aston Villa away on Sunday. We've got to get, but that's huge, that game, isn't it? It's still in our hands at the moment. You'd like to think that, that, you know, given, given the teams below us, it's, unlikely that they're all going to scrabble back enough points to to overtake the girls uh, at the moment at this stage but then it's man city at home in the wsl on the last game of the season for the girls so let's yeah. be honest oh. unlikely to get any points from arsenal and man city nil nil draw with aston villa in the return fixture just a week ago today it was obviously that got postponed earlier in the season what are you expecting from the villa game which really is the pivotal one uh well, you have to take some sort of positive out of it because we played them quite recently. So we would know their game plan. And, and when we played them not too long ago, they set up for a draw. And it is harsh as it sounds, but they did. They set up for a nil-nil. So I think if we can combat that, you know, and get... I know that Leanne Keenan's back in, back in training, but just get our shooting boots on and just just go at them. Just go for them. 
And uh, I think they're there for the taking. I really do. I think they are there for the taking. And we have to win that game. It is. There's no draw about it. It is a must-win game. And we've been saying that for so long. But this is where it really counts now. And we have to take advantage of them potentially setting up for a draw again, you know? Yeah, do you think do you think they're gonna do that though, Michelle? Do you think they'll they can afford to to set up like that? It doesn't really seem that's the case. Well, possibly. It depends what happens with them against Birmingham, because that's that's a, a local derby for them. That's a massive yeah. game for them. Um I think if they can get potentially three points against Birmingham, then they might slightly relax against us, yeah, maybe. Yeah, sure. I, I I don't know. I think with all the teams down there, us even Birmingham now, they're in it. Bristol, they're just taking one game at a time, really. So well, I, I want us to win. I want us to win there. Absolutely. Well, fingers crossed yeah. we do that and we can get over the line. Michelle, it's been brilliant having you with us for the first time, the We Are West Ham podcast. We hope to have you on again towards the end of the season. Uh, hopefully no, celebrating. thanks for having me. So that's it for another week, lads. Brilliant to have Michelle on there for the first time. Brilliant to have Mark Halsey on, former Premier League referee. Wonderful to have Mark. Just want to say thanks to him. He come on and uh, did the interview with us earlier in the day and came on again to give us his reaction to the Balbuena decision of red card being overturned. So massive kudos to Mark out in Spain. Thanks him for coming on. Thanks as well to Simon Townley from the Turfcast podcast. Uh, lads, final thoughts quickly before we say goodbye. Jones, I'll throw to you first. Devastating defeat. I named that game earlier on, by the way, mate. I just I really thought you had it in the bag, finally back from the so-called dead. But you're back in the game somewhat. You've gone ahead of me in the league table. But um, as far as the real league table goes with West Ham, give us some final thoughts at the end of a show. And what are you saying Europe-wise? I think, I think we'll get Europe one way or another. It'll take one out of the clutch for us to, to finish outside, outside the top seven. Um, it's just which, which competition we end up. Uh, falling into and if we finish seventh and you have confidence it's qualifiers which straight away I don't think anyone likes the sound of given our record of European qualifiers um, so if we're going to get Europe it's got to be straight into the group stage just to avoid that embarrassment but um, I do fancy us to get it done um, but I, I find it difficult to make a call on where we'll end up Absolutely. Chelsea won all as well, uh, drawing away at Real Madrid in the first leg of that Champions League semi-final. What a result that is for them, by the way. So they've still got that to focus on and that to play for for the rest of the season. Tom, what are you saying? Just give us some final thoughts before we sign off. I, I, I know I was a bit negative on today's pod, but we are fifth in the Premier League. We've got the fixtures which fall for us. It's up to us. It's in our hands. And um, we've absolutely got the playing staff and the manager to get it done. I just pray top six. I really, really do. I know seventh is all right. I just desperately want top six and it's still a possibility. So as much as I was down earlier, I still think we got us in it. Absolutely, well, mate. Good stuff. Well, look, thanks everyone for listening. Thanks to all our guests. Do follow us on Twitter at we are underscore West Ham. You can subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. Just scroll down to the link below. Leave us a review, five stars, all those nice things. We've got Instagram as well. And you can buy us a beer or support the podcast at buymeacoffee.com slash we are West Ham. Thanks so much, everyone, for listening. Thanks to all our guests tonight. I haven't got anything to say. Just one game at a time. One game at a time, West Ham. And it starts with Burnley on Monday. Thanks for listening, everyone. Up the hammers and we'll see you next week.
Hi, this is Tony Cotty, and you're listening to the We Are West End podcast. Podcast Network.